We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. And F it, we're doing it live. Well, not quite yet. The plan is eventually to get live with these video slash podcasts. You might be listening to this normal podcast form, or hopefully you're one of the few, the proud, the many, as I once <laughs> said, who have asked us to break these plays down online on video and have actually taken the time to go join our YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Big Blue Banter, and that's where you'll find us, and that's where you'll find this breakdown. And I must say, man, after watching the first one, we did it live. I mean, we didn't have any plan. We just kind of ripped through it. No takes, no editing. And I thought it sounded pretty good. I thought it looked pretty damn good. And I think there is a ton of value to doing these breakdowns of the All-22 film with an actual video component to them. So please, if you enjoy this podcast, if you take the time to download, which is all we need, that's what helps us grow as a podcast and helps us get paid, to be completely honest, please help us out in the other way and go to the YouTube page, subscribe to Big Blue Banter, you'll see our logo, and hit like on every video. You don't have to watch them all the way through, but I think you want to if you like the film stuff because to me, this is going to be better. And we're going to do it again here. Um, so we'll dive into the all 22 defensive film of the Giants week four win over the Bears. The defense film, more fun than the offense. Let's be a little honest about that one. I mean, look, it's okay. We can be honest about this Giants offense right now. It's the best running attack in football. I think it's number one right now, but they don't throw the ball very well. So it's not the most fun, but on defense, it's the total opposite, man. This dude blitzes. I mean, Wink Martindale, I saw a stat today, Nick, before the podcast, the Giants have, this, I think it was either the second or the highest blitz rate of any team in the NFL right now. Through four weeks. Now, highest, part yeah. of that is they got to face Justin Fields and they got to face Baker Mayfield. Two quarterbacks you want to blitz early and often. They're terrible at football. Um, but, well, at least right now for Fields. I still have some hope for Fields. None for Baker. But having said that, I think it's also part of who he is. We've always heard this dude wants to dictate to these quarterbacks and he's going to. And at times, like you can see on the film, we'll go over it here, Nick, and I'm curious to get your take. There are times where this, these blitzes don't get home. There was one, pl- the screen where they threw to commit. That was not, a, that was a blitz gone wrong. Perfect call. 
And there were other times where receivers were, were running open, which we're going to get to where fields just didn't process it and see it. That's not going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. But it's fun as hell to watch defense this aggressive, man. So I'd say we always like to start these things off before diving into the film with our biggest takeaway or something we've learned from watching the film that we didn't maybe see the first time around. And for me, it would be just absolute Night and day, massive improvement from the second-level linebackers for the Giants. Tate Crowder with his best game ever as a Giant. Now, there are two plays that we might go over as we look through this that he didn't do a good job on. But that is so much, so many fewer plays than what we're used to attain. He had to, and, it, and throw those out because he had so many really good plays. And then Jalen Smith versus an Austin Calitro. That, you can't even describe what it looks like on film versus watching. So, for me, biggest takeaway was so much improvement already at the second level. A ton of improvement. And how motivating is that? Because we went into this season, right? The two biggest concerns that we had with this New York Giants defense with a significant, I would say, upgrade at, at certain positions and just in terms of development and the edge rushers when they are healthy. But it was cornerback two, which still remains to be a question mark, albeit I believe Moreau played pretty well, but Aaron Robinson is now placed on the IR. And the next one was the linebacker position. And then we found out Blake Martinez was released and we're like, oh, crap, what the heck are we going to do here? But you're right, man. We're going to go through a bunch of these plays. Tay Crowder played really damn well in this game. And I also just feel like the upgrade from Jalen Smith to the Austin Calitros and even the Micah McFadden's right now. Micah McFadden is a player that I like. Jalen Smith offers something different. He is quick. He is instinctive. And he really has acceleration and burst to come downhill and make tackles. And I feel like he's not a liability in coverage. He knows where to be, when to be there. And we didn't really see it too much in this game with Jalen Smith specifically. We did on one of the blitzes that we're going to go over. But I do think he can be a big factor in Wink Martindale's blitzing attack. And dude, Wink Martindale is a He's a guy, man, because we talked a lot about all season, the ways he's been able to pressure these quarterbacks. But in this game, we saw that double A-gap linebacker twist with the adjacent quarterback spy and a quarterback contain. And that quarterback contain was Dexter Lawrence, who was occupying the center pre-snap. And that allowed for the both of those linebackers to twist inside and isolate two versus one against the six-man of protection, Khalil Herbert. And it led to, I think, two sacks and then a pressure on a third and three where Justin Fields had to throw the football away, where Tay Crowder, Micah McFadden, and Jalen Smith, who were all involved on separate plays, executed that assignment with great timing, and it worked to perfection, exactly like they wanted to. And then one of those sacks that the Giants got out of the six sacks was on that play. And what happens if you don't get home against Khalil Herbert, Dan, is you flush Justin Fields to his right. And what do you have waiting there for him? You have Dexter Lawrence in contain, and he had Aziz Ojolari as a quarterback spy, and it re resulted in a sack. So I love to see good scheming from a coaching staff actually come to fruition, and, and stats are earned based on that. And that's something that we've seen from Wink Martindale through three of the four games. I feel like he was out-schemed a little bit by Kellen Moore. That's going to happen sometimes. But this game plan against an inexperienced quarterback, got to be fair here, an inexperienced quarterback, definitely a quarterback that is not comfortable in Luke Getze's system, definitely a, a situation that is a little bit unstable. But those are the situations that you need to take advantage of as a coach. And Wink Martindale did very easily. Yeah, it's so interesting watching how uncomfortable the quarterback was within that system because it's like, I wonder, man, if you had, let's say Brian Dable and Mike Kafka had Justin Fields and designed a pretty similar offense to the one they designed for Daniel Jones right now. I'm not saying Daniel uh, Justin Fields would be doing better than Daniel Jones is currently doing in the system. I'm not making that case at all, so don't put words in my mouth if you're listening. But I'm saying this, Justin Fields would look a whole lot better to me than he does right now. 
And that's a testament to the Giants coaching. If you did, if you asked Justin Fields to execute the game plan, Daniel Jones executed. Don't you think, Nick, that Justin Fields could have executed that game plan pretty well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And to your to your point too, Luke Getzey, and we brought this up, but he is a branch off the Nathaniel Hackett tree. We see this weird adjustment period for future yep. Hall of Famer Russell Wilson. So Justin Even Fields Rogers is not, had the adjustment period. Rogers had the so yep. there is an adjustment period with this type of offense. It's a very rhythmic type of offense. And Justin Fields isn't a rhythmic type of player right now. So that marriage is very, right. very awkward. They have to do a better job just utilizing this kid's God-given ability and this kid's ability to get out of the pocket the way Mike Kafka is doing with Daniel Jones. And that also is just a testament to the coordinators and Brian Dable and their flexibility because it seems like Luke Getze and whatever's going on in Chicago is just a little bit more rigid where they're trying to fit square pegs into round holes instead of optimizing their players. And it's not uncommon for new systems to take time for these players to get used to, which makes it so uncommon that the Giants on both sides of the ball have been able to install new systems and have these players pick them up like this. I mean, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, we still have receivers at times running wrong routes. It's not like it's been the smoothest sailing possible, but we're get generating offense right now and we're generating defense, albeit with... I don't know, meh person like across the league. The Giants don't really have unbelievable personnel on offense, unbelievable personnel on defense. So just another testament to the coaching. And like you said, I'm happy that it actually paid off in the stat sheet. This game for the Giants defense, 18 pressures and six sacks for the Giants defense. Those are hefty, hefty numbers. And I think three turnovers was that they still don't have an interception. They're the only team in the NFL without an interception. I know one of those fumbles is on a kick uh, punt return, but still the Giants have done an excellent job getting home in this game they got an, they did an excellent job not only getting the pressures but then getting home and turning them into sacks or blown plays so it was awesome to see this defense we're going to break it all down now but before we break it down nick let's dive a little bit into just some stats so the giants used man coverage on 51.7 percent of snaps in this game they used zone coverage on 48.3 Comparatively, the Bears used 49 point with man coverage on 49.3% of plays. So it's a pretty heavy man coverage game in general. You said the Bears ran man coverage 49.3% of the time, but they ran man coverage without a spy 49.2% right. of the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And that was the, and that was the great point you made earlier about how the Giants did account for Justin Fields' ability to, to ruin this game with his legs. And he still got some runs, and I mean, he's the type of quarterback who will, but the Bears did not for Daniel Jones. That was pretty much the difference here in the game. Uh, if you look at it, Jones is rushing a but and obviously Barkley, but versus Herbert. But according, these are all stats according to PFF, by the way, Nick. So I mean, it is what it is. But we can trust their charting. Hopefully, um, they ran cover three, which you even mentioned earlier that they're running a lot of cover three, and it and it was obvious on tape. Like you can watch the giant those the, those that three high look. They ran cover three on twenty four of sixty snaps. That was that was the second most. Obviously, the most was they ran cover one on twenty nine snaps. And just break down real quick. I know we've done it a bunch, but in case there's new listeners, break down the difference between cover three and cover one, how it looks before the snap. Well, cover three is a zone-based coverage. Cover one is a man coverage. So typically before the snap, the man covering defenders will be directly over top of the receivers that are their assignments, executing the leverage that the defensive coordinator asked them to do, whether that be inside, off, press, or, in, or outside. And in terms of cover three, that's a zone coverage. But you have like country, country cover three, like spot drop, 
cover three, which is just like what you think of in Madden, where like a linebacker just drops to the middle hook and sits in a spot. Then you also have cover three match, which is essentially once the routes are distributed by the offense, once those wide receivers commit to their route, you basically just stick to them if you're a defender. And it essentially just turns into man coverage. But there are rules built into that, and it gets very, very complex. And I don't even know all of the rules to all these different defenses. There's a bunch of different adjustments that you can make versus two by two, three by one. But they will look different. A cover three just drop zone as opposed to just a cover three match. And I feel like Wink Martindale does a good job utilizing both of those principles. Great breakdown. They also have us charted for cover zero on two snaps. Um, you know, I, every time they, the cover two zero charting, I feel like is a little off, but we'll go over that. Maybe there, maybe you can shed some light on that cover six for two snaps. Um, and then they have quarters for quarters coverage for zero snaps. And Two man, which used to be like a big deal in the NFL, and that's zero snaps. That teams are just phasing out two man coverage. Yeah, that's two over the top taking deep halves with man coverage underneath quarters. That is like a cover four could be quarters, but that's like more of what you would think zone is. Right. Whereas quarters, palms, those are all like two high, two read type of coverages that end up essentially turning in to man coverage, similar to what I was saying with the cover three match. Yep. Okay, so we'll get into some more stats, and then we'll dive into the tape with the first drive. Some more stats. The Giants had six missed tackles total, not a huge number. Three passes batted, or three PBRs passes um, pass defense, and then three forced fumbles in this game. Or at least that's how No Miller Lights? Sure. No. No, no, no PBRs, no Miller Lights, no high lifes. Uh, what was the one? The 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 uh Michelobes. No no Michelobes. So Mick, Mickey's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 this is these are the stats for the breakdown for the game. The Giants once again I don't have the exact stats in front of me. This is my pad. Once again, we're unbelievable on third downs and unbelievable in the red zone defense. This has literally been the defining reason the Giants are three and one, in my opinion. If you ask me for two stats, if you ask me for like five things, one would be the name Saquon Barkley, two would be the name Mike Kafka, another would be the name Wink Martindale, and the two others would be their third down defense and their red zone defense, because those two things have been absolutely phenomenal all year. And once again, we're phenomenal again. I mean, if you look at just the drive chart of this, Nick, the Bears pretty much matched the Giants as far as good drives went. They had four good drives in this game. The Giants had four good drives in their game. The Bears had a drive of 77 yards, 65, 53, 58. The Giants had a drive of 75, 75, 60, and 54. Pretty similar. The difference is the Giants cash theirs in for touchdowns, and the Bears did the old Joe Judge try, and they and they kicked a lot of field goals. And that's not that not by design, but they were bottled down. I mean, I thought it was really weird. We'll get into it, but their one red zone play on third down where they didn't trust Fields to even throw the ball, they ran the ball, and it wasn't like wasn't even an advantageous box. I didn't think, or I didn't think it was like, oh, he ch he checked the audible into the run and he saw something. And we'll go over that, but. The other play that, that Fields threw in the red zone, there was nothing open, and he threw it towards the back pylon. So really great red zone defense by the Giants. Such a defining trait of this Wink Martin deal defense so far. Third down defense and red zone defense. Yeah, they've been phenomenal in those areas other than the Dallas game. Yeah. And the Giants in this game, third down efficiency, they were just 5 for 15. So a lot of the third downs that were picked up, I think almost all of them except for maybe one, was by Justin Fields' legs. And yep. conversely, like we brought up on the Quick Reaction podcast, similar to what the New York Giants were doing, a lot of what the Giants were doing were, was picking up first downs with their legs. These two teams are, are very similar. I just think the coaching edge that the Giants have give them such a an advantage over a team like the Chicago Bears. That, and I feel like the Giants have just an elite playmaker on offense with Saquon Barkley, whereas the Chicago Bears on offense, they, they don't really have anybody. I think Darnell right. Mooney is... He's a nice number two wide receiver. I think he'd be a solid number two wide receiver, but 
definitely not a one. You can even argue maybe he'd be like a three on a really good football team. So that's what they're working with with their offense. And like we brought up a little bit earlier, there's definitely things that are off there. And I don't know how long this Justin Fields, Luke Getze situation is going to last. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and we'll get to it. But Fields, he's not comfortable in this offense right now. And he missed two huge plays that could yeah. have been changing this entire game, just missing the read on. Um, one of them was what we've seen from our quarterback, just bailing a little bit too early from a pocket that didn't need bailing from, which we'll show you on the film. But let's dive into this tape now. Let's start with the first drive. There's a lot of good plays to talk about on the first drive. And people were saying go full screen. Is this the full screen that we can get? Or maybe there's another option. I don't know. No, this is full screen. Okay, right? this is full. And this is pretty good. This is solid full screen. I'll take it. Um, you guys can obviously see. Hold on one screen. second. Let's see. Let's see if we do that. Yeah, uh -huh. We got we the real full screen. Yeah, we don't have nobody to see needs that. to see my face. Maybe they want to see your face. You're a better looking dude, but nobody needs to see these mugs. Let's take a look at the actual film. And we start off here with an excellent play by Tay Crowder and Dexter Lawrence, who ultimately, ironically speaking, or I guess not ironically, but since this was the first play, it's interesting, ended up being the two best players on defense, I thought, in this game, which was a little bit of a spoiler for superlatives, but great opening play by those two guys. Look at Chicago's formation, man. This is some, this is some very condensed type of stuff right here, but I want everybody to pay attention to Tay Crowder, because what ends up happening here with this very condensed formation, Chicago just attempts to run the football, and Dexter Lawrence and Tay Crowder stuff this run, but watch Tay Crowder specifically because you have all of these extra gaps created right here. There's a lot to account for, and the Giants don't necessarily match it. Look, the Giants have two guys still on the weak side here, but watch Tay Crowder. You have the double team on Justin Ellis. You have Julian Love, who's up on the line of scrimmage, getting, getting blocked by Cole Komet. Watch how Tay Crowder goes, and he fills this gap and puts himself in this gap, and that allows 76 Tevin Jenkins to come off the double team, but it also shows Khalil Herbert, look, I have a presence here. You can't go here or you're going to get tackled. Right. So Khalil Herbert tries to cut it inside. Tay Crowder works right back to the inside and makes his tackle. This is like elite level linebacker type of play. Obviously, Tay Crowder is not an elite level linebacker, but that is a very, very smart and savvy play from Tay Crowder right there. It really is. And I think that's fair. I don't think there's any hyperbole behind that. That's exactly what you want. You look, he takes away the gap and still finds a way to work back to where the actual play is run to. That's Actually, like if he could do this every play, he would be somebody who we can look at as like the long term starter here and an absolute steal. Now, the consistency hasn't been there in his career. I feel like this was by far and away his best game. I'm sure there were others I don't remember that were maybe closer or somewhat similar, but maybe not all there. But this was a good start for him and it ended up being a really great game for Tate Crowder and obviously Dexter Lawrence. It's like that's a whole we, we can have this discussion at some point today. We'll, we'll let's move through the film. But Dexter Lawrence had what I thought was also the best game of his career. Yes, he definitely did. But I just want to bring up the battle, if if we want to call it that, between Dexter Lawrence and Sam Mustafer, <laughs> their center. Like, like oh, right man, here, Dexter Mustafer. Lawrence gets – poor guy. He gets washed inside right here initially. And watch how Lawrence is like, okay, this is actually going backwards. He's like up in the air. His feet are not set on the ground. Yeah. But yet he's still able to replant his feet and then get to the half man and play right through the open hole right there. So quick, so athletic, and he's 350 freaking pounds, Dan. It's just – he's something special, man. I'm telling you. And I want to say one thing, and please, hopefully nobody takes this as like a negative. I hope people understand this is context. This is going to be the worst offensive line the Giants match up against in the entire season, specifically because they lost Cody Whitehair in this game. They're yeah. only good offensive linemen at the left guard position. What that created was Mustafer, who's horrifically bad, and a backup next to him. And that was just on what was already a bad line. Like Tevin Jenkins is okay, I guess. Like he's playing better. They were going to trade him. Now he's at least playing for them. 
mostly out of necessity. But part of the reason why these guys had such good games, and it's okay to admit, is because it was a bad O-line. But it doesn't matter. You still have to go out there. Like Dexter Lawrence played 94% of the snaps and had the most single game pressures in a single game of anyone of his size. Like That deserves to be commended, even with the matchuping. And look, we want these guys to take advantage of good matchups, right? Like That's the objective here. So I just want to point that out, but also kudos to the Giants. Here's the big play we, we just referenced after that. It was a really good play, I thought, by Fields against a cover three look here. Yeah, this was a great play by Justin Fields. It's a play action, but Khalil Herbert just goes right into protection. And you can see Darnell Mooney does a good job finding the soft spot between the two underneath defenders who are in middle hook zones. And you have outside leverage because he is in a cover three deep third. So look look at the spacing. Then here's the middle of the field closed safety. You can see there's just a wide open space triangle. And Darnell Mooney finds that soft spot, just curls right into it. And nice little pitch and catch for the Bears. Yeah, and that's a really good way to attack that cover three right there. So... They, the Bears found, I, like, Luke Getsy, we got on him a bit at times, Nick. We've gotten on him, and we do think Wink won this battle. But I, when I went back and watched the tape, I actually thought Luke Getsy had some really good calls in this game and some good route combinations to get receivers open. So it may not be the best system fit for, for fields of where he's at, but we'll, we'll work through it, and we'll talk those plays out. But, yeah, let's get through this play where we're at now. This is just Justin Fields using his... Yep athletic ability and the giants don't do a good job containing him. He ends up picking up 16 yards on the ground here, but I do want to point out just the coverage, the giants this is cover one right here and look how good the coverage is. There's really nowhere to go with the football. You have, you could have dumped it off here, but Micah McFadden works through that traffic. You can see Cole Komet coming out of his break. He has a guy right on his hip. You have two guys surrounding this tight end. You have the dig route where there's some space, but there's still Dory Jackson can play right through that. Xavier McKinney's right here. There's just really nowhere for him to go. So taking off with his with his feet here is probably the best course of action for Justin Fields. And he did this a couple times throughout the first half, but I felt like the Giants did a much better job kind of bottling him up in the second half. Yeah, that was a great breakdown. And I think, you know, I've seen some, I, I posted one of the plays, which we'll get to at some point where Fields kind of misses an open Mooney for a touchdown. And, you know, a Bears fan texted me like, if you listen to the presser, Fields talks about how the coaches kind of coached him up to run with the ball in these situations. So I think he might be getting a little bit of the same coaching Jones is getting as far as like taking off and running out of potentially muddy pockets. What I will say too that's a third nine, I think yes. it was. So he has to make the decision to run. He can't really be overly hesitant. And he diagnosed it was man cover, saw there was no contain, and then he just took off. So in his defense, if he's going to take off, you got to be decisive about taking off. But I guess he wasn't really reading what the safeties were doing. And I think McKinney was opened up towards Darnell Mooney at that time. And then for whatever reason, McKinney flipped and then flipped his hips and then went towards the sideline. And by that time, Justin Fields kind of already was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to run this football. And he ended up picking up the first down. Yep, and we'll go over that play when, when it comes, and we'll be able to show you that play as well. What's the next play you, you teed up here, Nick? Yeah, so this is just a first and 10 play, and I just the Giants are in too high here, but I just wanted to point out Aziz Ojolari here, avoiding um, avoiding the contact on this split zone right here to, to get into Khalil Herbert's way. Look, it's going right at the knees. It's a totally legal type of block, but then Aziz Ojolari is able to actually collect himself and wrap Khalil Herbert up yeah. for a tackle here. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge this play by Aziz Ojolari, who I feel like... As, as Giant fans, we don't talk about as much now that Kayvon Thibodeau is in the building, but he played one heck of a game here, and he had some elite bend on that strip sack fumble that we'll show. Yeah, we will. And that's similar to the play Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt on in the preseason as far as the block. I know it's legal, Nick, but I hate this. But I hate cut blocks, and I hate these blocks in the NFL. I don't, I'm just like, I don't I don't love like the idea of you just get to dive at the dude's knees, and like that's part of the game. But anyway, he did a great job, like you said, of avoiding it, and at the same time, avoiding an injury. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that play literally happens 
all the all time. The, yeah, all of the time on yep. Sunday. So I wanted to bring up this because yes. the pass rush really gets to Justin Fields, and this is a third and two. And we'll we'll look at the sidelines. I think Mooney might be open a little bit late here, but let's focus on Aziz Ojolari, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau, who all oh, yeah. almost get home. And this is what Justin Fields can offer you. He might not be fully there yet in terms of reading defenses and things like that, but he is a great athlete, and you can see how he evades blockers and picks up. A couple yards here. I'm not sure how many he got here, but he ended up getting the first down. But watch Dexter Lawrence here. You see how he has positive control of that arm? He's Ooh. just a, his aiming points are great. He just grabs this elbow and shoves it aside, and then he just quickly look how quick that is. Quickly brings the opposite arm up to rip, and there's nothing Mustafer can do at this point. This is immediate pressure right in your face, and then. Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari kind of end up colliding here, but both of them are going high side against tackles and they're both winning. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Justin Fields kind of being smart here and just kind of rolling out and, and gaining depth in the pocket yep. to avoid the rush, he's done three different ways. So good play by Fields, but excellent pass rush by the New York Giants. The only way he gets out of that is not like the typical rollout you see where a quarterback, like you've seen it with Jones a bunch where he tries to roll to his right and it's like that same lateral move. You have to do what Nick just said. You have to gain depth and pivot and spin backwards to gain your depth. So it was just an incredible play by Justin Fields on an amazing pass rush by the Giants. Um, and it's so funny. You keep saying Mustafer. Mustafer had such a bad game for the Bears. He's their center and Dexter Lawrence destroyed him. Have you seen Clay Harbour? I just wanted to bring this up in case you saw Have you seen Clay Harbor, who covers the Bears. Have you seen any of what he's broken down on Twitter with Mustafer? I have not, no. Oh, man, it's so harsh. He's been ripping Mustafer so hard on Twitter. So <laughs> check, check out some of those breakdowns. But um, yeah, look, Dexter Lawrence destroyed this matchup. He absolutely destroyed this Mustafer, dude. Um, and this is just cool to see, for like Nick said, because you have three specific Giants, three individual Giants pass rushers winning on one rep. Thibodeau wins his rep. Ojolari wins his rep. And Lawrence wins his rep. That is really good sign. When's the last time you can remember the Giants having three pass rushers get home like this on a rep and a quick game rep? Like this is third and two. This is not a third and long situation, which makes it even the more impressive. I can't wait to see these three and Leonard Williams on the field at the same time on a third down passing situation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst. And the recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. I've tried Liquid Death, and I am still here. I'm not plastic, nor am I thirsty anymore, because my former parched state was quenched by the tart acidic taste of one of their flavors, Severed Lime. 
the line became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor, Mango Chainsaw, which combines real agave nectar with Leatherface to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit, go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, Bury It Alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com slash BIGBLUE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. A mesh concept right here. And it looks like the Giants have man coverage on Darnell Mooney, but they're not playing man on the opposite side of the formation where these two players are. But look at Mooney once Justin Fields evades. Now, on on this play, like you said, he's being coached. At least he said he's being coached to keep the football. I keep the football, but Mooney does end up coming open there. Like Mooney does end up coming open. I'm not knocking Justin Fields there because I think you have to just go for the first down when you see the green grass. I think it's a little nitpicky to to really, you know, bang him for that. But this is something that we also saw a little bit later on. And you know, there are quarterbacks who aren't being coached to use their legs in similar type of situations that can make the Giants pay for these broken coverages downfield. And in general, the quarterbacks who are able to improvise and throw on the run at these broken plays when there's a broken open receiver are typically the best quarterbacks. So it's not like, yeah, you might be coached to do it and it's fine to take the green and might be sound nitpicky, but I still don't think it's fully nitpicky, I guess is the best way to describe. But either way, he got the first. So drive moves on here. Now we get to which play is this one, Nick? This is is the next. This is the next play. First and 10. Very physical edge set by Taman Fox, who comes into the game at this point just to give the other two edge rushers a breather. And I feel like he has two really good plays back-to-back. Watch Tom and Fox here. Sets this edge low, locks out, shades inside. Wide open gap for Tay Crowder, who is unblocked, just to come in and wrap up Khalil Herbert. And then the Giants rally and make this tackle. Just felt like this was a, a good play by the weak side. Well, not the weak side. It's actually the strong side of the Giants formation. You could see Tay Crowder. He looks this way to see if there's going to be a block hitting him. But then he sees the ball's already in yep. Herbert's hands and he just makes this tackle but i like how taman fox showed that type of physicality there and you're going to see it here in a little bit and even a more impressive type of play and nice help in support and nice support help there by mckinney as well yeah so right here this is just i believe an incomplete pass this was the the one the red zone pass i was referencing a bit earlier where there's just if you look at the other view of this the sideline view there's just nowhere for fields to go with the football yeah absolutely the giants yeah nowhere for fields to go with the football just man coverage in the red zone here. And we have Dexter Lawrence who gets a nice good hit on Justin Fields towards the end. I would say it's clean, but it's it's toeing the line a little bit. Yeah, this is the play I wanted to go over here. You have eye formation from the Chicago Bears. And Tamon Fox is to the weak side of the formation, kind of like a linebacker. So the Giants are in like a 3-4 type of front. 
and watch Taman Fox take on that lead blocker and just clog up that lane. That is a physical play by Fox. Right, This is a UDFA rookie who's finding snaps. I think he played 15 snaps in this game. He's finding snaps with a healthy Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. This is a great play by the rookie, and he keeps playing like this. He's going to find his way onto the field. He aggressively just squeezes this dude right inside. There's nowhere for Khalil Herbert to run. Look at that. That is wildly impressive. You even have Dexter Lawrence, who is just bench pressing with one arm, Sam Musford. He works back into this opposite gap, which forces Khalil Herbert to go behind his fullback where Fox is waiting. This is great team defense, right? Yeah, I think even Mondo does a good job there of, of kind of setting the edge and pushing that blocker out so he has to cut it back. Yeah, no, Mondo, you know, two games, he, he looked good. Yeah, it sucks that, he, sucks that he ended up getting injured, but yeah. I feel like he's he's played well. But this is just a good play overall by the New York Giants defense. Even just watch Dex. Dex does a good job on his play. Just in case Herbert's thinking of cutting back, Dex kind of makes it so it's impossible to on that as well. So great first red zone series by the Giants defense to hold the Bears to three. Absolutely. And we'll take it to the second drive here. Dan, you want to go over what this drive is all about? 7-3 Giants at this point. And yep. really the Bears' best drives, three of their four best drives came on their first three drives. So just goes to show, when you think of it from that perspective, the Giants did a great job again of adjusting to what the Bears showed and what the Bears won with and finding a way to bring out something that would match it and beat it. Like the last three possessions of the Bears game, last three functional possessions before the real, the very end, were three three and outs by the Bears, three straight punts. So this was a really good job by the Giants adjusting, but obviously on this drive, they found some success. This was a six-play, 77-yard drive that did also result in another field goal for the Bears. So where are we starting this one off? Oh, with the big throw. Okay. Yeah, it's just the first down play. I just feel like a Dory Jackson kind of gets beat right here. Look, he's an outside leverage, and Darnell Mooney does a good job kind of selling like he's going inside, and then he works right into Dory Jackson's blind spot, and it just went away, but we'll pull it right back up here in a second. He works right into a Dory Jackson's blind spot there and, and just kind of gets behind him. And then Xavier McKinney ends up reacting to the deep cross and kind of goes underneath isolating yes. Dory Jackson against Darnell Mooney, as you'll see here. It was a really good, I mean, it's a two man route combination, but I really like this route combination with the deep over because the deep cross deep over, because it takes the safety at least makes him, like you said, have to respect that a little bit. And so McKinney can't get there in time. And it's also, let's call it like it is. It's a great throw by Justin Fields. No, it's a great throw by Justin Fields right there. And here we just see Jihad Ward. This is a first and 10 place. This is a pin pull concept. They're going to pull that play side guard. I'm going to try to pin Jelly. And they're also going to use Cole Komet to pin Jihad Ward and put put Jalen Smith in a situation where he has to take on this lead block right here, which he does pretty well. Nice squeeze technique. Just go in, keep the rushing lane narrow. But watch how Jihad Ward fights through this traffic and then just expands laterally to force Khalil Herbert to keep going east-west instead of north-south. Jalen Smith does a really good job kind of coming off this block, making the tackle. Like the run defense in this game, relative to what we saw on Monday Night Football against Dallas, it's substantially better. I think some of it is the addition of Jalen Smith, but I also just think the Giants were really pissed after they were embarrassed yeah. by Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott because they look so much better. And also their opponent kind of sucks. This yeah, part of it, I was going to say, is certainly the matchup. They didn't have Tyler Smith on the other side, Zach Martin, a lot of the other players on that Dallas offensive line. This is, I, I really think this will be the worst offensive line they get to match up against all year. It's too bad they don't get to play the Bears twice. I feel like they, they could beat this Bears team every game, in my opinion. Like the, You're right, it's a similar team, and there were some opportunities for Chicago, but I felt like Giants had full control of this game for the first time in really a long time that I can remember where the Giants just had a game in clear control from start to finish. But yeah, let's break down this next one after that, that good run stop. 
So this is actually a first and 10 play. This is the Jihad Ward sack. And then the next subsequent play, Kayvon Thibodeau takes the roughing the passer because he, it probably was roughing the passer. He, he kind of like face masks. It was a stupid play by him, to be honest. Yeah, it was unnecessary. It was just an unnecessary play by Kayvon Thibodeau, but still good to see him get into Justin Fields' lap. But here's Jihad Ward just being disciplined, staying where he needs to be. And I love that part of it too. This ends up going down as a sack. And this is what Mike Kafka would do with Daniel Jones, right? Get him right. on the move right here. And you have a bunch of guys running in routes. Jihad Ward sets outside, yes. boxing him inside to where there's all these pursuing defenders. And then he has the ability and the athletic ability at 290 pounds to jump back inside to make this Where sack on Justin Fields. I'm telling you, man, Jihad Ward is such an unheralded player on this team. He's so valuable. And by all accounts, he's also like a huge locker room presence. Yeah. And he's a very vocal type of leader. That signing might go down as one of the most underrated signings in recent Giants history. If he continues to play at this level, I would have to agree with that because what you said, he brings off the field. Look, you can see it after the play. I mean, he celebrates a lot of plays. He's fun. He gets, he has a lot of fun on the sidelines too. And some of the sights and sounds, he brings the locker room presence, but then he also brings actual presence. Like he is this, this is such a savvy, smart thing that you brought up here. I saw you broke this down on Twitter. Like what he does there to sit, to force the run back inside. That's the entire play right here. He knows he has help on the inside. He doesn't try to get all aggressive and stupid with it and try to go like a downhill straight line angle towards Justin Fields. Like right here, he could go straight and try to get him, but instead his, he has the mindset to take that outside step force fields back in and then he still is able to recover and make the tackle it's a really great individual play here you just see a nice run by khalil herbert where tay crowder who is playing that middle linebacker position sees these the tight end come across the formation then he steps down here and that just leaves this wide open where julian love does a solid job actually filling even though he doesn't make the tackle but he just slows him down enough tay crowder ends up making the tackle here but it does seem like he's out of position now i'm not 100 certain that he's not being coached to do this when he sees the tight end come from the backside with a mobile quarterback. Maybe he's coached to, you know, scrape and replace off the ass of Kayvon Thibodeau. That is plausible. Mm-hmm. Not sure. But if it's not, it's a bad read and it puts Julian Love into a pretty crappy position. But Love ends up helping out making this play. And that's a huge play because it looks like 29 could potentially make the play anyway, McKinney on it. But that could have been a touchdown if, if Love doesn't get back in there. And, and this ends up being a not, another drive that ends in a field goal. So really good play there, um, I thought. And then the third and three here. Again, this is what I referenced earlier. you got to have no confidence in your quarterback, in my opinion, to run this play here in the red zone on third and three. Like, look at the look pre-snap. Does that really look to you like you saw anything and you audible and you checked into a run? Like, where is there to go with the ball here in the run game? There's really nowhere to go. You have a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage and the presence of Jihad Ward being outside of this third offensive lineman allows Xavier McKinney to just scream off the backside and make the initial contact. Everybody just clamps down on an A-gap run against the tight front. So yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. The weird play call down there, but thank, thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Luke Getze, because that was never working. And you got in the Giants got off the field there with three. So then we move on to this third drive. And again, as I mentioned before, first three drives, best three drives for Chicago, pretty much. This was a 10 play 53 yard drive. The Chicago Bears got it into scoring position, but then the Giants had that massive play by Ojolari and Thibodeau to recover to Ojolari slash Lawrence. We don't really know. Kind of like fell out of Justin Fields hands because of the pressure. I don't know if anyone really hit the ball out, but great job again by Thibodeau to, to be heady and recover it. So let's let's see where do we want to start on this drive. That also came after a third and 20 conversion I know. of a 24-yard screen. It's a second time 
in two weeks that the Giants defense surrendered a third and very long conversion. Last week was the Ezekiel Elliott weak side run yep. that we broke down on the podcast. So that's something that needs to stop. But watch Jalen Smith. And then this is his first game as a New York Giant this season. Of course, you have a tight front. You have a weak side run right here with the running back Ebner offset. But you have the entire Chicago Bears with Equinemius St. Brown and Cole Komet. They're all kind of blocking down right here. Watch Jalen Smith fight through the contact of our guy Sam Mustafer and ends up making this tackle. This is a good play by Jalen Smith. I love just watching Jalen Smith's eyes on this play because you can see he's totally in sync with where Herbert, it's not Herbert, I think it's Ebner on this play, with where Ebner is going to go with this run. And that's why as you watch, he's watching Ebner, and that's why he's able to kind of get himself in position. He doesn't overly commit to that gap where he could have been taken out of the play, and so he can scrape off, read it, and make the tackle there. It's an incredible play by by Jalen Smith here, I thought. Just great, heady play. His eyes are in the right spot, and he does a good job of making this tackle. Yeah, Jalen Smith looked good out there to me. Yeah, he's going to play a more expanded role, in my opinion. There I mean, was one playing coverage where I was like, eh, um, I don't really know what his assignment was. We'll go over it. But either way, the speed wasn't excellent. I don't think he's going to be the best thing for the Giants in coverage, and that's okay. The Giants didn't, weren't really getting much from Austin Calitro in coverage anyway. So like, they, it's like, it's okay. But as far as just his his instincts in the run game, what he can bring as a blitzer to, I really think he's going to help the Giants as well. Subsequent play, the second and six. It looked like Kayvon Thibodeau had no idea where he had yeah, to go. Him and, T- him and T- Crowder were communicating. It's a three-by-one set. It seemed like he was thrown off, or maybe he was confused as to if he should even be on the football field or not. But it does appear like right here, Justin Fields might have oh, missed yeah. a high-low. As you can big. see, you have the Giants. You have the safety kind of bail into the middle of the field a little bit, and then you have the corner route, which I feel like this cornerback right here does a really good job kind of be keeping Justin Fields honest because you don't really want to throw the corner out unless you put really good air under it and put it like this area because he's in position to play that, but then take the yardage that's there and just take right. the first down with, with this underneath route. But Justin Fields waits too long, tries to extend it, tries to extend it, and then just ends up throwing it away. So that's probably one that- back it up, Even back it up like to, to right before Justin Fields uh, takes off there because and from that the same angle because i think with anticipate with the right anticipation though like he can actually hit the corner route here too it's going to be tough i guess he'd have to you're right it's it's a tough right right there if he throws that and he leads it to the right spot it's still a tough throw so i think you're right i think he just has to take the easy completion on the underneath the, uh, right around where that 30 yard mark is and also his his initial read comes to the to the boundary side yes. of the field with these two routes i'm a little curious as to why he might not have targeted this tight end who's running a deep corner route with Xavier McKinney in the position that he's in. Now, Xavier McKinney executes a good speed turn there, but it does seem like that tight end had outside leverage, yeah. but Fields didn't like it for whatever reason. He attempted to go this True. way and still didn't really like anything he saw there, and he just held on to the football a little bit too long, took a really nice shot from Kayvon Thibodeau there. Oh, yeah. That was a big hit he took. But Giants move here to a third and six situation, and you know, once again, Justin Fields just does a really good job here of extending the play on his own. Yeah, Justin Fields, third and six. He's looking. There's really nothing downfield. I don't even love this play call, really. Bad play call, agreed. Aaron Robinson's all over this guy, but this would be the one route that might come open just because Aaron Robinson ends up kind of getting whipped around there. But Fields just kind of makes a really nice play there to to avoid the pass rush. You can see the Giants send one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, (laughs) but really... 
Tay Crowder isn't coming on the blitz. The Giants in this game, we'll see it from the end zone angle. Yes. What they were doing a lot of the times is they were stepping to the line of scrimmage whenever the Bears were in six, seven man protection. They would step to the line of scrimmage and then meet their assignment, like Tay Crowder is right. doing right here with Cole Kamei. He's like, okay, I look like I'm blitzing, but I'm actually just going to drop into coverage. And you're going to see that throughout the game. They do it to Khalil Herbert as well. On this play, I don't really see it as much with Herbert. Herbert kind of stays in here, and you can still see the Giants are trying to run twists and games up front with their linebackers. But this is a, a heady play, I'd say, by Justin Fields. But I do like the fact that they showed that plenty throughout this game, the New York Giants, that is. They would act like they're coming on the blitz, but really they're just meeting their assignment at the line of scrimmage, providing no separation for them, giving them no opportunity to run any type of choice routes or anything like that. And it's also adding that little element of deception to the quarterback, like, hey, maybe they are coming on the blitz. And then that could also just you know create some sort of hesitation that can be exploited. Yeah, and there's was just an example of one of many plays where Justin Fields took a big hit at the end. Of, Justin Fields took a lot of hits in this game, partly by design, and obviously you can see there's an injury to the Giants here on this play as well, which sucks, but partly by design and partly by just him you know, deciding to scramble on a lot of his runs. I saw a stat before we did this podcast, Nick. Did you see the chart I, I tweeted out like right before we started recording? Which one? It depends. Uh, the one on quarterback pressure, uh, quarterbacks under pressure, and then quarterbacks from clean pockets and when they decide to throw on target or if they decide to bail and scramble or take a sack. Yes, I saw that. I like that stat. I thought that was good. Showing. It was a really cool stat. The Giants and Bears were number one and two. The Bears were number one in fewest throws and most scrambles and sacks taken. So Justin Fields, you know, by design, maybe it's by design. Maybe it's just him not yeah, processing. I think, I think there's a difference, though. I, I, I do sure. think that the Giants are scheming Daniel Jones in a situation like, yeah, we'll run routes, but you're going to run and and we're going to get you into a position to run. Whereas this offense, it's not doing that for Justin Fields. So I do think there's a difference there. I think there's definitely a difference for sure. And there's also been more design runs, I think. Like even just watching this game, there wasn't really any design runs for Fields. Most of it was just him breaking from the pocket and scrambling. Um, So yeah. I like this play call though by Luke Getze. And it might've been a little bit of just watching film on what Kellen Moore did because you're going to use EQ St. Brown to crack back right there on Tamon Fox. He does a good job and you just take Mondu out and you open up this this B-gap right here to the weak side with a lead rusher who can kick out Aaron Robinson. This is the play that Aaron Robinson gets hurt. Now, Ebner decides not to hit the hole, which might've been the better move. He takes it outside and ends up getting a pretty nice game there. And it sucks to see Aaron Robinson oh. and Jahad Ward down two consecutive plays. I know. Ward, I think, could be fine. We'll see what happens. But Robinson obviously placed on IR. That sucks, too, because I felt like Aaron Robinson was going to be a nice piece to get back for sure. But obviously, after this, you see a really nice play here by the Giants. So maybe you want to break this one down. Uh, no, I'm just going to like mention Tom and Fox again, because yeah. I feel like early in this game, he was a part of the game Great plan. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he was part of the game plan, not just to spell... Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, but also because he is so damn physical and the Giants were gashed laterally last game. You didn't really see him on the defense last game. So now he comes in and you can see some really nice edge setting other than the crackback block that he just took from EQ St. Brown. He did a really good job setting the edge. So I'm wondering how much of that factored into him playing 15 snaps in this game. That's a good point. And I, I I think a lot of people like to give the quarterback a pass when they miss like this. I personally don't. I think you've got to hit that pass like 99 out of 100 times. Yeah, it's easier said than done, obviously. But yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. If you're a professional quarterback, here's just a little screen to Cole Komet. That ends up going for, I think, a solid gain here. It wasn't as bad as the, the, the play that they tried yeah. running. Tay Crowder, who sniffed it out really well. This is something they ran a little bit later in the game. Another tight end screen. So here we just have another halfback pitch. This played so like, well by the Giants. 
Yeah, I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau just does such a good job. You'll see Kayvon Thibodeau right here. I formation. He engages yep. his block with Cole Komet, and there's a fullback blasting game. And watch, he takes blasting game out too. Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't understand why Giant fans are trying to be negative on this guy. Like, this is such a veteran. He made so he makes so many veteran plays. Dan, this is a veteran play. I'm going to expand laterally. I'm going to engage the block of the tight end, Cole Komet, and then I'm going to remove the fullback from yeah. locating Dane Belton, which allows Dane Belton to come down. He doesn't make, well, yeah, I guess he makes the tackle, but he doesn't wrap up and, and like drive him. But look at the Giants rally here. This is another great play by Tay Crowder. Let's focus on Tay Crowder now, YouTube yeah. audience. Just scrapes over the top, fights through 65's block, gets outside, makes the tackle. That's just an excellent, excellent sight of defense right there in terms of what Kayvon Thibodeau, Tay Crowder and, and, um, and Dane Belton did. And also this is something that pissed me off. I almost tweeted it too. Watch what Tevin Jenkins does to Jalen Smith throws him at the end and he runs over this poor girl. But if anybody knows Jalen Smith's history, Jalen Smith suffered almost a career ending injury on a play just like this against Ohio yeah, state when right. Taylor Decker did this after the whistle. So and he unnecessary. Yes. Yeah, so unnecessary. So, if there's any player that you don't want to do that to, it's Jalen Smith. So, I mean, Tevin Jenkins probably isn't aware of that, but damn, dude, at that, I just, you just hate to see that, you know? And one more thing on that play because you just brought it up. Uh, during the pre draft process, a lot of what we heard and what I heard was, oh, Kayvon Thibodeau is, doesn't really give effort in the run game. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a liability in the run game. Just show anyone who says that this clip. Because he does a perfect job of setting the edge here. And like Nick said, it's not only that he does a great job against his assignment there, 85. He takes the fullback block out of the play as well. That's two players that he takes out of the play on his own in run defense. And so I felt like all game, you know, there were some questions. People were saying, oh, it was part of the reason the Giants defense struggled against the Cowboys. They weren't setting the edge. Well, I think a lot of it was scheme. Like Kellen Moore did a great job, like you said, with those wide receivers uh, cracking back and just getting to the edge. But this is an excellent run defense play by Thibodeau. And I think it, it, it these types of plays dispel the notion that he was just a pass rusher in college. Yeah, I'll tell you this, Dan. I remember hearing that. And then I turned the film on and I was like, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. Okay. And you know what? Another thing, dude, about Kayvon Thibodeau, not to get on a Kayvon Thibodeau soapbox here. I heard a lot of very respectable, high profile draft people say some stuff. And I watched a lot of Kayvon Thibodeau film. And I was like, I don't know where you're getting that stuff from. Like, I, yeah. I don't know where you're coming up with the fact that this guy doesn't have effort. Because I see a dude chasing guys down from the backside crazy. routinely. So I'm wondering why and where that narrative came from. I don't know either. We said this a lot during the pre-draft process. Like we said before he was a giant too. Like before he was a giant. I mean, during when we did our profile for him back in March, we just didn't see it. And I don't really understand where it came from either. Um, If we're just talking about the film he's had with the giants, there's no real examples of him not playing with high effort. So I don't know, but it's good because it's bullshit. And you know, it, it ended up resulting the giants drafting him, but let's move forward here. Dan, here's the first double a gap linebacker twist with the adjacent quarterback contain and spy that we went over a little bit at the top of the podcast. Watch this right here. Watch Dexter Lawrence kind of flow to the right of the screen ends up containing with the end man on the line of scrimmage. Aziz Ojolari dropping off, kind of sinking underneath Cole Komet, but also just keeping his eyes on Justin Fields. The, the nature of this play, and I broke it down a big blue view. If anybody wants an extensive breakdown here, you're going to rush both Kayvon Thibodeau. And I believe this is Nick Williams that are going to occupy both of these players. Dexter Lawrence has been already in this game, giving Sam Mustafer so much fit. So you line him at a two eye and he's probably going to open up in that direction. And if he doesn't pick up on what these giants linebackers are doing, it's going to isolate Khalil, Khalil Herbert in a two versus one. That exactly is what happens. And you're going to have 
Jalen Smith come in. He's going to engage Khalil Herbert and then Tate Crowder is just going to follow him in a linebacker twist, get right into the pocket and nail Justin Fields for this sack. This is a very well schemed up sack where the Giants are realizing what the Bears are going to do. And then they're creating a two verse one, something we've talked about ever since Wink Martindale was hired as the defensive coordinator, create advantageous matchups, two verse ones, three verse twos. And that's exactly what happens here. And it ends up going for a sack. This is really well put together. And I just want people to realize what Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari are doing on this play, because we're going to see how that ends up working out for the Giants a little bit later in the game. Yeah, exactly. And you can even argue that it's closed, but it looks like Kayvon Thibodeau almost got held on this play as well. I'm not sure if you would consider that a hold, but it certainly looks like a hold to me. But maybe he has the inside of the jersey. It's hard to tell from this video. But I mean, also- yeah, it looks like Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't beat and has the tackles hips flipped. And then the tackle is just using kind of the grasp that he has on the opposite shoulder. It's not the most egregious hold, but I've seen stuff like that called before. Also, one thing I want to ask you about this play, this was one of the plays Clay Harbor broke down on Twitter, kind of, uh, you know, bashing Mustafer, the center here. He basically said, this is just a simple cross dog blitz. And this is on the center here. What are your thoughts on that? Like, love that's a hundred percent, but okay. I think the giants align Dexter Lawrence in a place where Sam Mustafer might be, I would say aware of the fact that he's there because he struggled all game with him. But yeah, obviously you want Sam Mustafer to take one of these two blitzing linebackers. It's just the fact that he had to deal with Dexter Lawrence the entire game, I think was in his mind. So he was going to open up right. to ensure that Dexter Lawrence doesn't shoot this a gap. And that acted as a, as a, as a method of not allowing him to execute the assignment that he really should have executed and put Khalil Herbert into this really crappy situation to yeah. block two linebackers and fields as well. Mustafer, not a good center. Thank God we don't have him starting right now. All right, now let's get to this third and 20. Just an unbelievable call by the Bears, I thought. Perfect match against what the Giants did, which was blitz here, by the way. Also perfect match against Wink, who's willing to blitz in these third and 20 situations. Um, what do you? What did you see here? I mean, it's also a really good job by Khalil Herbert, I thought, in space. Yeah, Khalil Herbert. This is just great timing, and Khalil Herbert does a really good job kind of reading his blocks, and Giants bring a pressure right there with Darnay Holmes. They have five guys now behind in the line of scrimmage, and you have a bunch of blockers in space. They pick up Micah McFadden, who was really the only player who had a shot at making the tackle, but how is Micah McFadden supposed to fight through three blockers right here? You know what I'm saying? So it's a really well-designed play, and it was promptly called. And it was not only well-designed, it was a good counter for Wink Martindale. We talk a lot about how Wink Martindale won the battle on the chessboard. This was not a play where Wink won. And we've seen, at times, the Giants live in, and also die by the Blitz. This was definitely an example of them dying by the Blitz. And on the third and 20, Nick, I, look, I'm not going to ever bash Wink for wanting to Blitz. And this is his style. This is who he wants to be. This is the, you know, we can't credit when it works and, and discredit when it doesn't. I don't know, though, on a third and 20, dude, like, I, especially when you've shown so much blitz in the first three weeks of film and you know you're susceptible to a screen, I might just play like a traditional four man rush on that and just make Justin Fields beat you because Justin Fields at that point hadn't really proven to me he can win on a third and 20 from just a traditional drop back against four pass rushers type of game. No, no, he couldn't. And here's another sack, though, Dan, on the next first and 10. Here's the sack fumble by Aziz Ojolari or Dexter Lawrence. And look at Kayvon Thibodeau, man, just running over there. Look, look how many people are standing around right here. Yeah. It's just literally 65 and Kayvon Thibodeau. They're like, oh, that might be a fumble. Yeah. That's such a heady play from, from a yeah. rookie in his second game. But let's break down the, the hard part of this play. Look at Aziz Ojolari right there. That's the move that he had success with in college right there. You're going to chop the outside arm, which it doesn't even look like he makes clean contact right there. But you're going to chop that downwards. But what it also does 
is this tackle, it looks like to me, this tackle expects Aziz Ojolari to, you know, press himself basically into the tackle and try to get hip to hip to bend through the contact. But it doesn't look like Aziz Ojolari does that. You can see how, I don't even know if he makes tackle he, or contact. He might make contact there, Aziz. But you can see how that tackle just whiffs right there, right? And then Aziz Ojolari is hip to hip at this point. He's going to win the half man relationship. You just bring that rip move right up and through. And then yep. that bend right there is just insane from, from Aziz Ojolari. That is just, that's ridiculous. And he's in a great position to bend. And I think this tackle just doesn't do the best job protecting his outside shoulder, obviously. And I think he whiffs. And I think that chop rip combination is dangerous. That's a great play right there from Aziz Ojolari. And then over here with Dexter Lawrence against Sam Musfer. Hands to the face, by the way. That's hands to the face right there if everyone wants to see. But look how quick that is, man. That is like Ralph Macchio type stuff right there. That's karate kid, how he brings that arm just to break the contact and then get to the half man win and then bend through contact too. Dexter Lawrence is 350 pounds, Dan. Look how he's able to separate from this center. And I know it's Sam Musfer, but still guys aren't typically supposed to be this athletic. And both of them get home to force this fumble. Kayvon Thibodeau, great job falling on top of it. You'll love to see the fact that these guys are getting sacks, bro. And Ojolari is not someone who this is. So with Ojolari as a prospect, a lot of people didn't really give him credit, in my opinion, for his ability to bend. And when we watch the tape and this is the player who, by the way, I want to give you a lot of credit for Nick, because you loved Ojolari's film from Georgia. And you felt like he could have been the pick for the Giants in the first round that year um, with whatever they were going to do at that pick. If they wanted to go in that direction, you felt like he was potentially worth that. And I, I, you know, after watching it with you and evaluating it, I can see why that was the case. This is really good. This trait wise, this is really good bend here from an edge player. And like, again, you know, he was known for, like you said, that move that he always won with the college, which he uses here, the chop down move. But at this end, he was good against, he was setting the edge. He was good against the run, all those things. They didn't use him a lot as a, all the time as a pass rush. He played kind of that, um, I don't want to say hybrid role, but he played like a non-traditional role at times with Georgia. But this is trait-wise really good bend here. And I love to see that from a, one of their best, you know, youngest asset prospects that they have on this roster. Yes. And I also wanted to bring this up too, Dan. Look at what happens to Darno Mooney and Fabian oh, Royale. Yeah. Where's the OPI, huh? Where's yeah. the OPI, everybody? Yeah, right. The same shit and we've been getting called for two weeks in a row. Exactly. But EQ St. Brown is open here. The Giants probably wouldn't have got the OPI. This is exactly where Justin Fields is going with the football. This could have been a huge oh, yeah. game. So you want to talk about defenders stepping up in huge clutch situations exactly. after surrendering a long third down conversion to the offense. This is an excellent toughness type of play from both Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari. You're damn right it was. And so they get the fumble there. Uh, obviously, turnover on downs. The Bears get the ball back next. And th this was kind of the start of the Giants' dominance on defense. They gave up one more decently long drive. But this next one was a three and out by the Giants' defense. And the Bears actually went backwards on this drive. Split zone. Backward or backwards? I think it would be. I'm not sure. Trick question. You can use both. You can use both. Yeah, yeah I mean, someone double-check me on that. I'm sure I'm actually wrong about that, but I think I've heard you can use both, but let's get to the play for now. This is a <laughs> big boy play by Dexter Lawrence, who ends up getting pile driver yes. into, the, uh, into the ground a little bit. You can see he has to fight through the combo, and then he ends up making the contact on Khalil Herbert to spin him around right to Jahat Ward. This is just a first and 10 run that goes for four yards, split zone type of action. We'll move on to the second down play. This is actually... A little bit of an this was the one they challenged and got back the Giants. Um, 
This is yeah. an underthrow by Fields. It's actually a really good read, I thought, by Fields. And this is like the type of throws I don't always see Daniel Jones make, to be completely honest, or attempt, I should say, not make. If he wants to throw these, Jones has actually been pretty ball, ball placement wise accurate. But I don't really see him take these whole shots a lot. And I thought this was a great read by Fields, but obviously he's got to put he's got to put the ball on the on the receiver. It's a little bit underthrown. Yeah, this is some sort of cover three. And I feel like, again, Mooney kind of works into the blind spot. Went away right there, but works into the blind spot of Adoree Jackson a little bit there. Dexter Lawrence also gets right into the pocket, just kind of bench presses him. And it looks like it's a catch at first, but you can kind of see how it hits the ground there and bounces up. So a good retraction. Yeah, but definitely, not, definitely the those those whole shots will be there. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers doesn't take too much advantage of them this week. We'll see. And then after that, just goes to a third and six where Dexter Lawrence absolutely dominates once again. Dexter Lawrence on this play ends up sacking Justin Fields. And this is the play where it looks like Justin Fields' leg gets twisted up. This is a great effort right here by Dexter Lawrence. But I also kind of want to point out Mike McFadden's role here. Because it looks like, again, the, the Bears are really paying attention to Dexter Lawrence with no Leonard Williams in there. You can watch how Sam Mustafer at first kind of opens up and he looks like he's going to help 62 out. But Micah McFadden, because again, he has man coverage on Khalil Herbert right here, steps, and you can see how aggressive he is stepping, just like Tay Crowder did, like we went over before. They both step up to their assignments. But the fact that Micah McFadden acted like he was going to blitz here, watch 67. I can't help 62 anymore. So I have to come up and pay attention to Micah McFadden, and that isolates Dexter Lawrence in a one-on-one situation. The, the number 62, and Dexter Lawrence just absolutely owns him in that matchup. What a good game for Dexter Lawrence it was here. I mean, we keep going over plays and drives, and he just he's we just keep bringing up his name, and you just watch the film with us along. If you are watching on YouTube or if you're just listening, you hear how much we mention him. He just dominated on a down-to-down basis, despite the fact that he played 94% of the snaps, which is insane because he maintained that level of play throughout. Just look at him here. I mean, this is the level of this is to me like if you take Dexter Lawrence 17 overall and he played like this every game, Nick, it would be with a steal of the draft. He looked like a Jeffrey Simmons as a pass rusher in this game. And that doesn't even factor in what he gives you as a run stopper, which, you know, some of those guys like the Jeffrey Simmons types don't ultimately give you at least not that same level. So, I mean, if he can turn into this version of a pass rusher on a week to week basis, and it's going to be a lot tougher when Mustafer isn't lined up across from him to be completely honest with the situation, but it could be that he's been unlocked in this defensive system. It could be that just, Dude, it's natural progression. Like players get better as they learn more about the NFL. And like me and Nick always said, the progression isn't always linear. But if he becomes this version, this level pass rusher, this is like the Giants then potentially have three, maybe four guys on a down-to-down basis with Leonard Williams, depending on how long he lasts here, that can give you a one-on-one win against whoever their opponent is on a down-to-down basis. Look at the coverage too, Dan. So good. It's all over the place. You align cover two or at least two high initially, and then you drop the the boundary safety down to basically rob anything at the sticks, take any kind of crossing routes, and he just kind of sits there underneath that number two receiver's cross, and Justin Fields has nowhere to go with the football. That was one thing I talked about a little bit earlier today on Twitter, Nick. I was like, look, as far as what I remember from, and this is not a knock on Patrick Graham, but there are a lot more plays when I'm watching the Wink Martindale film of a quarterback under pressure pretty early in the snap, and if you look at that view, the sideline view, there's just nothing open somehow, despite the fact the Giants are either blitzing or getting pressure. There's nothing open on the back end. And that's a testament to how they're coaching this defense up right now. They're playing really well. Again, I feel like we always have to keep ourselves honest here yeah. and acknowledge the fact that this is the Chicago Bears, bad offensive line right now, bad quarterback and bad offensive weapons. 
Yeah. All that's true, but still, can only beat your opponent, like we always say. All right, Absolutely. we can move on to this next drive. This was a seven-play, 13-yard drive. It did result in a field goal because the Giants turned the ball over uh, leading up to that and put them in a really good position. But look, if you can limit them to seven plays, 13 yards after that turnover to keep it three points and to keep seven off the board, that's a big sign. So where, where do you want to start on this drive? Yeah, I have the first play up. I just kind of want to acknowledge Nick Williams because he popped on this drive specifically yes. several different times. And like you said, this is after the Richie James fumble on the punt. So this is a sudden change situation. The defense just earned the right to get off the field. And now they have to go back on the field. And the way they stepped up and still shut down Chicago's passing game and rushing attack, I, I am proud of that. And look at Nick Williams right here, fight through this block and then take Crowder, just be disciplined to read exactly what's going on and then make the tackle. Both of them, very nice play on this first down. I really like Kayvon Thibodeau on this play too. I thought he played this really patiently and didn't allow for, and maybe this is just him executing his assignment, like nothing too crazy, but it doesn't give Justin Fields the opportunity if he wants it to carry it, to keep the ball and try to get the edge. Oh, absolutely. And look, if Justin Fields keeps this ball, he has Kayvon Thibodeau here. And I also feel like Dane Belton is right there. Yes. You have this defender who's following EQ St. Brown. But the objective here is you have two guys lead blocking for Justin Fields. So the patience of the Reed defender, which is Kayvon Thibodeau, Dane Belton, really forced Justin Fields to hand the football off. And you could see how that did not work at all. Tay Crowder's right in position. Nick Williams Great fights through his Crowder. block. Yeah, oh yeah, dude. Crowder, Belton, Crowder. and Thibodeau, if you're watching this on, on the YouTube just they play this so well and patiently. Like this is just perfectly coached. This is, I, I assume, how you perfectly coach this play up. Yeah, you love to see it, man. I love to see Tay Crowder step up in this situation. Somebody that we have given a hard time on this podcast, rightfully so. But like we said at the top of the show, this was his his best game, in, in my opinion. I think on this play, as a second and ten, Nick Williams just gets his big mitt right in the right in the air and knocks this ball out of the. Uh, out of the air on a, just a simple slant flat. So they're just trying to design these quick quick game type of routes for Justin Fields, hit your back foot, fire the football into the throwing window. But Nick Williams is like, no. And look who it is, Sam Musfer, who just gets bench pressed by Nick Williams here. <laughs> yes, he does. Wow. That is not a good rep for the Mussy boy. Uh, this is Mustafer, dude. Is he even going to They obviously have no other better option, but it's just I can't imagine this dude starting all year. They got to figure something out. Right here, though, this is a third and 10. Justin Fields yeah. picking up 12 with his legs, and this is what Fields this offers This is the you. one we were referencing yep. earlier. Oh, yeah. This is watching on Almuni. So for everyone watching YouTube, you have a three-by-one set for those who aren't on YouTube, right? And Darnell Mooney is a number three receiver, kind of right off of where Kayvon Thibodeau is aligned. Kayvon Thibodeau is aligned as an edge rusher. So he's really tight. And the New York Giants, essentially, they just go into a quarter, quarter, half. So it's cover six type of defense. Darnell Mooney finds the soft spot between Xavier McKinney and Dane Belton. When you run a four vertical type of concept against quarter, quarter, half, that half field defender is in a really tough spot because he has half the field to defend with two vertical routes going into his area. And it looks like the Giants had Moreau actually cover the vertical to the outside all the way up. And he does a good job covering that. But Darnell Mooney is wide open here. And Justin Fields had to commit to running the football. And he kind of throws his doesn't really throw his hands in the air, but he, he looks like, oh, man, like we missed this. That's Darnell Mooney. Well, as that he is. should be because they ended up scoring a field goal on that drive. But look, look at this pocket. Why does Fields have to, to bail from this pocket? Now flip it to the other view. This is something I've seen a lot with Daniel Jones, too. This just decision-making to kind of bail from these pockets that are just not pockets you need to bail from. Like, when you get to this point where he decides to bail, why is that a pocket that you need to bail from at all, dude? You can 
easily reset yourself in this pocket and scan. And it doesn't take long to see Mooney wide open. And that's then an easy throw on platform with no pressure in your face, basically a pitch and catch touchdown. And this is said, one of the best pockets he got all game. Too. Yeah. Look at this thing. Why is he bailing from this pocket? It doesn't make any sense to me. I see this. He's a bailing. Lot He's bailing because it's third and nine, and yeah. I think he's watching Jalen Smith. And once he sees Jalen Smith yes. match Khalil Herbert right. going in the opposite direction of him, also kind of looking through his perifs to see Aziz Ojolari trying to win high side, right. there's just a huge hole for him to run through. And I think he's just going to take the yardage at this point. But you're right, man. Like a good quarterback, somebody who is heady, somebody who knows the coverage, knows the play yes. call, knows how the play call can exploit the coverage, will sit there and throw that ball to Darnell Mooney because exactly. like we like we highlighted, like right here, man, like Darnell Mooney is, is, is breaking open early. Once you see that it's, once you see Dane Belton go over the number two receiver and expand and Xavier McKinney flip his hips to, to help Moreau out, like right here, like Darnell Mooney is, is open at this yeah. point with, with Xavier McKinney's hips turned that way. And Dane Belton looking at the number two receiver to carry him vertically. And he yep. just doesn't throw the football. So he, he committed to running. And, you know, sometimes that can, that is not the best option and not the most efficient way to, to move your offense. It might be the most efficient, honestly, but efficiency is not the name of the game. That's the name of Jason Garrett's game. Good point. And, and yeah. the fact of the matter is like his eyes were more, his, he was more focused on, like you said, where Jalen Smith was going and that meaning, meaning he's going to have that free lane. And obviously with the peripherals with Ezekiel Charlie rushing us the arc and it gives him the free first down. Fine. You're more focused on that. But if you're more focused on reading the entire field and like you said, it doesn't even have to be a read. It's just pre-snap, right? Like you just have to know based on that coverage and you using a four vertical style route that you're going to have a possibility that Mooney could get open. And you got to be aware of that because that takes a touchdown off the board here for the bears. That's on fields. Moreau plays this next play perfect very well. This is the post wheel play that we broke down at the um on the quick reaction podcast. Good play call by Luke Getzey. I feel like a lot of teams are running this in the red zone. We've seen the Giants run this at least two times in the red zone. You motion EQ St. Brown from the opposite side to set up a two receiver look. And then you go into the mesh point to get all those linebackers to bite up. And now you roll Justin Fields out to the boundary side and what you're trying to do is isolate EQ St. Brown against Xavier McKinney, who's safety pre-snap dropping down and matching EQ St. Brown. And look at EQ St. Brown and how open he is. He has the leverage here. This could be a touchdown or should have been a touchdown if it wasn't for Fabian Moreau coming off the post portion of this route to really help secure the deep third of the field here. Like this is a great play by Moreau. Very, very good awareness and just ability to understand route concepts here because McKinney is beat and Moreau ensures that it doesn't go for a completion. I love that you pointed this play out because it was one of the better plays that went unnoticed and it was by Fabian Moreau, a player who they're going to have to rely on now a lot more with Aaron Robinson headed back to the injured reserve. We don't know what's going to happen with Cordell Flott and his injury, but either way, I think Moreau has definitely earned at worst the timeshare type of situation there with his, with how well he's playing. And it's not like he's playing out of this world or anything. And he hasn't been tested or anything by some of these quarterbacks like he might with better quarterbacks. But that play right there is a super heady play. And that's a really good individual play. And then we have the second and 10 run stop by Nick Williams. Again, Nick Williams came up with three huge yeah. plays here. You can see Nick Williams split this double team. Like here's Johnny. I made that joke a couple different times, but you know, it's still fitting here. And shining, it definitely right? looks like it here. What's up? The shine. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, of course. The shining. He is Johnny Jack Nicholas. <laughs> Watch how he does that. And then he ends up assisting Darnay Holmes, who screams off the side right here to make the tackle from the backside of the split zone run. Third and 15, and the Bears are going to try exactly what they tried already. Well, not exactly. This is a different version. They throw it to the bubble, but like 
you can't run screen again. So they're trying to run screen again. The Giants are going to get used to it at some point, right? Yeah, they absolutely will. And look at Tay Crowder too. Again, Tay Crowder, Good he's right here on the hash. His eyes go directly to Colkin. He sees exactly what's going he on. He knows here. what they're going to do here. And he's right in position. And then the Giants just rally and make that tackle. So you love to see that. And there's Tevin Jenkins throwing more Giants to the ground. At least this one was during the play. But oof, yeah, he really... Tevin Jenkins is just really... And he goes back mean. for more, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, he's a mean guy, like in terms of being a football <laughs> player, which I, which I personally respect. But come I on, do. let's not, let's not hit Jalen Smith after the whistle. That guy, that guy's been through enough. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move past this one. The Bears actually get a field goal on this one, and you know, after this, they only have one more field goal drive the rest of the game. We can, we don't have to go over the three plays nine yards before the half. We can get into their first drive of the second half here. Dive right into that. This was their last scoring drive of the game. It was a nine-play, 58-yard field goal drive. And then after that, the defense just completely took over the game. That's pretty crazy when you think of it from that standpoint, dude. Like, they had one drive to start the third quarter and then nothing else in this game. Like, it's not like the Giants were doing too much on offense, and so they really needed it on defense, and they got it. And it just goes to show, like, how dominant the defensive performance actually was. So let's dive right into this drive here, Nick. Yeah, the first play, it's like Luke Getze was like, you know what? they're really using Daniel Jones on those play action bootlegs. Maybe we should try something like that. And they have success, man. They run a yeah. play action bootleg on the first play and I believe it's Cole commit. No, it's actually Trayvon Wesco is just streaking over the middle of the field. And Wild. I feel like Jalen Smith just absolutely loses him here. And then Tay Crowder ends up that playing. That was the play I was talking about with Smith. Yeah. He ends up playing contain right here. And I don't know the assignments. I'm not going to. It almost looks like it, the assignment was the problem here. Like, I don't know if, because you can see Jalen Smith even take a step toward the line of scrimmage at some point in the coverage, like it's a step. And then he pops back out. I don't know why he did that or anything. I'm wondering but. if it's because this running back's leaking out. It looks yeah. like right here, he's looking at that running back. But right. I think the the interesting thing to, to take away from this play, first off, you have like a post wheel type of combo, uh, combination again, even though they hit the horizontal cross, who is covering Cole Komet deep? Yeah, that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Yep. Kayvon Thibodeau carried Cole Komet about 30 yards downfield, <laughs> laterally that flipping his hips. Look at that. And Cole Komet has a step on him, but sure. Kayvon Thibodeau is keeping up with him. And yeah, they're comparable in size in terms of just weight. Cole Komet's a little bit taller than Kayvon. But that's a tight end and an edge rusher. Yeah. This is something that Kayvon Thibodeau has in his wheelhouse. And Moreau also saw that. Moreau is aligned over the top of Cole Komet in the box, and he ends up helping Kayvon Thibodeau, but that's two guys against one. And that's one reason why Trayvon Wesco is wide open. So it's one reason why I'm like, is Jalen Smith thinking that Moreau or Kayvon Thibodeau are going to be in this area? I, there's right. no way for me to know that, but that's just one thing I kind of wanted to put out there because I want to be fair to everybody. Yeah, that's a great point. And sometimes just tip your hat to the offensive coordinator for a really good design and a really good play call. I think that's an example of that. Now we're going to see some disciplined Jihad Ward oh, yeah. on this first and 10 play. And another great play by Adoree Jackson Ward and Tay Crowder. We've said that a lot. Look at Jihad Ward. Just stay right in the spot. Doesn't crash down. Doesn't fall for the eye candy right here. Just stays right there. And Khalil Herbert, or actually I think this is Ebner, is like, okay, I, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go with the football. Yeah. Tay Crowder undercuts. Adoree Jackson flies up and makes a nice physical tackle. Man, I'll say, Adoree Jackson had some physical tackles on yeah. tape when he was at Tennessee. But he is pound for pound a very, very tough dude here with the New York Giants. Yeah, it looks like he's almost even better against the run than he's ever been in his career. I think part of that is just the coaching and the style of defense. Like, it's really being hammered home, like, how important the run defense is and how important tackling is and the physicality that everyone's bringing. Like, everybody flies to the ball on this defense. Everybody brings so much physicality, and I think he's bought into that. He's, 
I everything Adoree has, has brought so far, like sometimes these free agent guys, they come in and they're just like busts or they go from the previous regime and they don't really I don't, I don't really know of many busts yeah, yeah, the right. New York Giants free agency. Yeah, they've been <laughs> hitting nine of not 10 of 10 free agents every year. But like this is not a good that's uh, this is example the opposite. Like this dude is bought into a brand new system. They wasn't even recruited to play in and he loves it. Like he plays really well within the system. Yeah, he does, and I'm I'm excited about that because the Giants need him. He's arguably yeah. one of the most important players on this defense, and that's saying a lot because there are a lot of good players on this defense. And here's just another example of sound run defense, this time to a double Y set, two tight ends to the boundary side. But just look how Kayvon Thibodeau sets this edge, plays the game of peekaboo. When we say plays the game of peekaboo, look, you can see how he looks inside. He sees that lead blocker. He stacks. The, the the tight end off of him by bench pressing him and locking him out. And now he gets his eyes to the outside to see what exactly the running back is doing. He sees a lateral flow, so he expands and he expands. Moreau does a good job kind of containing as well. And that allows Tay Crowder to just come from his linebacker spot and make this tackle. Again, great team defense. Look how many giant jerseys are around outside the numbers. You have Dexter Lawrence, the backside linebacker, Jalen Smith. This, this run defense in this game, despite the fact that they were playing lesser competition, but still just from a continuity standpoint, executing their assignment standpoint, they were so damn disciplined in what they were supposed to do with stark contrast from what we saw on the opposite side of the football field. Yeah. And a stark contrast from what we saw in some ways the week before yeah. against Dallas. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like they were humbled against Dallas a yep. little bit. And now Dan on the second and 11, we see Justin Fields hit, I think it's Darnell Mooney on a deep over route, something the Giants are struggling to defend whenever they're in these cover three type defenses, especially when they bring some blitzes or they're really focused on these underneath routes. You could see these defenders, like we said, when you step to the line of scrimmage to meet them like the Giants were doing all game, and typically that was in man coverage, but even zone, you get a little aggressive, press towards the line of scrimmage, restrict the line of scrimmage, restrict the space, then that's going to leave more space behind you. And you could see how Micah McFadden is so close to the line of scrimmage here and Darnell Mooney is just wide open and the Giants can't really do anything to defend it at that point. Yeah, you said it best. The deep overs have been, as we watch through the film, the deep overs have been open a lot. Tannehill did a good job exposing the Giants on that a couple times. In, just here, we saw Justin Fields do it. He took another hole shot earlier against cover three, but it was a different throw. Um, but that's something that I'm definitely worried about, I guess I would say, against the good quarterbacks we have on the schedule because they're going to eat that they're going to eat that crap up, to be completely honest. But maybe that's that's something the Giants can also adjust to. I feel like part of it is this the second level. Like you said, they're they're worried about some of those underneath routes and they're playing not with the great I would say not the greatest depth uh, to stop deep overs. But we'll see. I mean, part that could also just part partly be something they need to fix within their scheme. Yeah, and that was a third and nine. So that was right. an actual third and nine that they converted using Justin Fields' passing ability. But that sets up this first and 10 where the Bears get some get some life in their rushing attack with a 15-yard run to the weak side. And this is one where Tay Crowder just kind of yeah, gets intercepted right over. here. Yep, yeah, he doesn't scrape over. over the top right here. He's trying to see what exactly is happening. There's a combo block right there on Dexter Lawrence. You have Aziz Ojolari setting the edge. And then he's supposed to fill right there, but he just gets intercepted and there's no one to to really bail him out. So then the Giants are just scrambling, ends up going for 15 yards. Not the best run defending play right here, but you know, I feel like Tay Crowder overall had a obviously a great game. We're gonna see a pretty good fill on this next play, too. Yeah, exactly. Like we have probably two or three plays where Crowder was out of position, but that is juxtaposed against the 10 to 13 plays or whatever it was that he does a great job of. And we'll take that. That's like that's batting really in the NFL, that's batting pretty damn good. And right here, you can see the very next play. Watch Tay Crowder. 
right there in the middle of the defense. Sees the double team on Ward, just quickly fills and just eats off that block right there from Tevin Jenkins. Where is the running back going to go? There's nowhere for him to go because Tay Crowder filled so quickly and that guard wasn't able to climb up to the second level to really locate him. He met him at the line of scrimmage. The Giants are all over the place to make this tackle. Ward got bent back pretty awkwardly on this play. I don't know if that's one that he maybe got injured on, but just didn't look great to see on the tape as we're running it back here. Just look at how it gets bent back. Yeah. But and Dexter Lawrence, is, dude, he is so efficient with his hands. Lawrence. Like, yeah. I, oh, dude, like right here, he has, he long arms him and then creates that separation so he can get his eyes on what the running back is doing. And then he just swim move right back yep. over, right into the gap, helps out with the tackle. Again, he's really, truly breaking out in front of our eyes. And, and at this point, like, if, again, if he continues on this trajectory, we're, we're not only happy we picked up this rookie option, but he becomes somebody that's you're willing to give a long-term contract to. It's tough to fit two massive contracts on the interior defensive line with Williams and Lawrence. But as you mentioned on a previous podcast at one point, Nick, the Williams contract might not go on forever. No, the Williams contract might not go on forever. And that's something that we have to, I feel like, acknowledge because I know they extended him. But there might come a point where the Giants have to make even more difficult decisions. But we'll probably tackle that when uh, actually yeah. we'll definitely tackle that when the time comes. Here's the second and six play not a good throw by Fields. Yeah, this is not a good play by Fields at all. EQ St. Brown is open here. He releases much, uses that little push off, that little Mike Evans push off. You could put the football right there. You have enough space to probably not make Moreau miss, but to pick up the yardage to set up a third and manageable. Instead, it goes incomplete because Fields just ducks it right there. Yeah, it's just bad. This is the problem with Field. At times when I'm watching him on the film, I just feel like the everything mechanically is just not always there for him. Like, look at how he throws this football here. Look at his feet and look at the actual. Yeah, we can see it better from here. I want to see it from this angle, too. Let's watch the release point from Fields here. That's just, I mean, the back foot's off the ground. He kind of just whips that with the, th with the three fourths, uh, three fourths look, not over the. I mean, that's partially sometimes how he throws, but. I don't know. I just feel like that that right there is just not a great example of mechanics. And as you see, the ball is like short hopped almost. It is. And there's no pressure in his face. No oh, one perfect or pocket. Anything. Yeah. Perfect pocket again. But look at Aziz, man, trying to bend this edge right here. This is the look at him right here. It's like a superhero jumping mm -hmm. off a building. What? And he tries to land that outside arm chop. Yeah. He loves to do right. And he ends up bending right here, dude. I'm telling you, Aziz has shown some impressive bend. Really dude, good bend. Look at that. Look at um as I slowly do this. Look at the bend that he has. In Who would you say showed better bend in this game, Aziz or Thibodeau? Oh, Aziz Ojolari. I think it was Aziz by far in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think Aziz Ojolari probably has better bend than Kayvon Thibodeau, anyways. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't, I don't think either of them, or at least when they came out of the draft, I didn't think either of them were the most bendy guys right. in their respective draft class. But I think Aziz Ojolari has more bend than Kayvon. That's one thing that we knocked Kayvon for yeah. is a, a little bit of stiffness in his ankles. He could still yep. bend. Don't get me wrong; it's not a problem with his game. But if you if you put him with Aziz Ojolari, I think Ojolari is definitely more Gumby like. Yeah, I would agree. And then the next play is a third and six tight end screen that again does not go well. You, you hit once on the tight end screen. I know. How many times are you going to dial this thing up? Jalen Smith is just like, I know this shit is coming. Like, look yeah, at him. Jalen Smith is right there to make this play. But this goes back, Dan, to the, to the argument that we have with Daniel Jones sometimes, right? It's like, mm -hmm. how much does the coaching staff trust Daniel Jones when they don't want to run certain concepts? And it's not just Daniel Jones. It's also the offensive line. It's mm -hmm. the David Sills of the world. It's all that kind of collectively. But you could say the same exact thing, and I think it's a better example of that 
for Justin Fields. There's no way that that coaching staff trusts Justin Fields. And there's no way that Justin Fields probably trusts that coaching staff. That's why I think the marriage between them needs a divorce. But how do you do that with a kid in his second year who hasn't even started 15 games yet, who has a lot of talent, but what kind of return can you get on that? Like, that's just a messy situation. It is. It is interesting. Like a lot of, like you brought it up, man. They, they tried the screen. It worked on one of their third and long. They went back to that twice and it didn't work. Like what kind of trust do you have in your quarterback to not have him operate just a traditional drop back or traditional passing play on those third situations? I didn't love, like we talked about earlier, the run in the red zone was really not showing confidence in him. And we'll see what happens with fields. I personally, this is the first time I've really watched a lot of fields. Like I haven't watched him too much. I wasn't impressed with him. I wasn't impressed with some of the throws he made on platform. We discussed a bunch already in this game. Um, and just, it's just not, uh, he can run with the ball and I think he throws pretty well in the run and the bomb, the th- ball he threw to Mooney was great, but then he took a couple shots into so a couple of those hole shots where the ball just like died on him for whatever reason. And that's like, not, he's not, he's supposed to have better arm talent than that too. He's definitely supposed to have better arm talent than that. He, I mean, from a physical standpoint, he has a lot of things going for him. So we'll see, man. It's still young in his career, and that, that's what you can go with. This is somebody on his second offensive coordinator, yep. you know, similar to Daniel Jones. A lot of turnover, that, and this offense is very precise, and, and he's just not there yet. So if I'm a Chicago Bears fan, I'm just saying be patient. Why are you smiling? I'm just smiling because it reminds me so much of the Daniel Jones situation. I've seen a lot of people like already tweeting. I tweeted out those two plays on Twitter where I thought uh, Justin Fields missed Mooney for the wide open touchdown when we broke down and where he missed that high low. And everybody's like doing the same things that all the Bears fans who have replied have been like, no, the coaches are telling him to do that. The offensive line sucks. The receivers suck. It's just the same thing over and over you get uh, when these quarterbacks struggle. It's cyclical, but I'll tell you this. You weren't saying that about Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had some of his struggles, but a lot of those, these recent young quarterbacks, there was never the questions or the excuses. They were, even though the teams might not have been winning, the talent was still evident on the film. And that I think is like the number one thing you're looking for as a fan base. Can you win with a Daniel Jones, Justin Fields? Sure. But are they the reasons that you're winning these football games? And if the answer is no there, do you want to lock that up to a long-term contract? And I think that's the conversation that every fan base, all 32 fan bases need to be making when you have to go up against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and all of these just absolute studs at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's a great point. And also it's not, it's, not just can they win the games in front of them. Like right now, Daniel Jones, I think, has actually played a big role in some of these wins. I thought he played a big role in this win. I thought he be- played a huge role in the Dallas game, even though they lost that game. Uh, and I still just think if they were to win that, he would have been a factor in it. Really, every game he's played some of a role. The problem is, can they play a big role in the big games? The ones against the Mahomeses, the ones against the Josh Allens, the one against John- Aaron Rodgers coming up, the one against Lamar Jackson coming up. That's what it counts down to, because look, if you can beat the bad teams of this league, you can probably grind to nine wins a year, but that's not what worse. That, at least me and Nick, we don't, it's good. We're happy that this might be the case this year and the Giants finally might go over 500. But at the same time, like we also have to think of this from a long-term standpoint and we want a team that can compete for the Super Bowl every year. And that yeah. that's the real focus. And what the Giants are doing right now, it's very unconventional yes. and teams are going to be able to, to figure it out. By containing Eventually, Daniel Jones. Yes. Yeah. And with, with Daniel Jones's hurt ankle, if he's not able to do those rollouts, then this offense is going to tra- change drastically. Oh, yeah. And that's something that we need to be paying attention to. But Dan, what happened on the next three drives for the New York Giants defense? 
yeah, we can go over these. They're just they're, they're just great tries by the Giants here. I mean, look, we get into these. I actually have the video up, so I'm going to pop out. I just want to go over the actual numbers on this. The first is a three-play drive by the Bears that goes for minus one. The next is a three-player drive by the Bears that goes for six yards. And then the one after that is a three-play drive that goes for seven yards. It's great, man. This is just pure defense shutting down an offense. And we've said it so many times throughout this this podcast again. We're keeping it everything honest. The offense is struggling to to say the least, but still, you gotta you gotta Lawrence, dictate teams like this. And Dexter Lawrence, Lawrence this deep into a game, yeah. he's played ninety four percent of the snaps. Every defensive lineman we know in the world gets breathers. Like even the Aaron Donalds of the world aren't playing ninety four percent. And if they are, they usually tail off completely. We saw the whole thing with the Jets defensive line coach and Quinn and Williams, where he's like, I can't play Quinn and Williams at times in the fourth quarter because he's gas on the sideline, grasping for air. I don't know if I take the coach's side and I don't think you should ever admit that, even if that's the case with your star player. <laughs> but the opposite is true here. Dexter Lawrence, absolutely embarrassing with his hands and his, and his initial pass rush, this Mustafer kid. Man, he really made it living hell for this Mustafer dude. Look at this freaking rat by Lawrence in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely great, man. Watch this. There's a quick double swipe. Nah, screw Boom. you. You're not going to make contact. And then I'm just going to swim over the top and completely create separation. should have helped him, Mustafer. I'm surprised Mustafer didn't go for just the tackle hold. But also look how, because yes, using Dexter Lawrence as a nose and a one technique, I feel like he's getting a lot out of that. But at the same time, it's how Wink Martindale is employing these fronts. Like you're isolating the Sam Mustafer kid, who I'm sure the Giants defensive staff was like, okay, we got to get Dexter Lawrence <laughs> on this guy. If it was Leonard Williams, they would get Leonard Williams on him. So they put a three technique right over the top of this guard and then a four eye with Nick Williams here and then a wide with Tom and Fox, who's going to occupy that tackle. So you get a one-on-one -on -one matchup here, a one and a half on Tom and Fox because the tight end chips and releases. And then you rush five total guys. What is that going to do when there's only five man protection? That's going to isolate Sam Mustafer against Dexter Lawrence. And that's exactly what happened so many times in this game. They couldn't help Sam right. Mustafer. He was in a position where he had to block one-on-one -on -one Dexter Lawrence. And that is a matchup. The Giants are going to win 99% of the time. You can see that they, that the Bears are trying to chip and release with Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, but it doesn't matter because you can't help Mustafer unless you use Khalil Herbert in this protection. But he ends up stepping up in, in a play action and, and goes in the opposite direction. So this sucks for Fields. This is a tough spot to be in. Kudos to him for being able to evade everybody, but Jalen Smith does a really good job kind of getting over to Justin Fields and making this tackle before he picks up the first down. Kudos to you, Nick. That was a fire point. I love that breakdown of like, look, you could see it if you're the Bears and you could be like, what are we? We could let's do something to stop this. But the Giants schemed it up in a way where there wasn't really any other option than we need to go mano y mano. Mustafer is going to have to do his job against Dexter Lawrence. And that's the only option that the Bears were left with based on how the Giants schemed around Lawrence with the pieces they had. And that option was not a winning option for the Bears because this dude could not handle Dexter Lawrence. And then you have this weak side run right here by the Bears, double Y set to the field side. And watch how the tight ends climb. Like on plays like this where you're cutting back, like Aziz Ojolari knows right here that Justin Fields, he doesn't respect that Justin Fields has the ball because he can see that the handoff's right there. He's the unblocked defender. Like he almost crashes into this play to make to make a tackle. I feel like that tight end does a good job kind of coming back, almost taking a clip, but I would say that's a legal block right here. But just look at the interior parts 
of the Giants' defensive line. Nick Williams is playing really well here. He yeah. presses and presses that that offensive lineman right into the rushing path. Dexter Lawrence just absolutely dominates Sam Mustafer, and there's nowhere to go right here for the, the Chicago Bears. And it's not even like the Giants are all just stacked in the box, loading up the line of scrimmage. You have two down linemen and then two edge rushers, two linebackers, and Darnay Holmes. And they're still able to execute the run defense as well as they were able to. Nick Williams had a pretty damn good game for the Giants. That's 93. Yes, he did. Yeah. I mean, look, they find a way to get into your defensive lineman off the wire every offseason. It feels like that contribute. Yeah, they do an excellent job. They do an excellent job finding these defensive linemen. And that's to your point that you make a lot. Now, is it to the level of a Dexter Lawrence? Absolutely not. But still, it's 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 a player that can step in and 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 play like 15, 20 snaps for you like an Austin Johnson did and be a, a quality player on your defense. The flip side of that argument, though, is Danny Shelton. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's not always going to work out, though. It does seem to have worked out maybe five of six times, like, you know, five every six times, four of every five. And I would imagine this is similar across the league. I will say this on that point, though. I think the Giants have done a really good job this offseason. And I'm not, sorry, not this offseason, this in season of kind of retooling their linebacker court on the fly, like finding a, a, a Klein. And we haven't seen Klein perform yet, but I'm pretty sure once we start watching film on Klein, when he starts getting in there, we're going to see good clips out of him. They already got that out of Jalen Smith, and that's someone who they were able to just scoop up. So that's a unit where a lot of times we've talked in the past, like the Giants have been so bad at linebacker for so many years, they haven't invested anything interesting in the draft. But at the same time, that's another position that a lot of NFL teams don't value that highly in the draft, and you can kind of sometimes find guys that can contribute off the wire. And I think the Giants have done a really good job of that as well. So at least so far with Jalen Smith and potentially with Klein. I just like this third down discipline too by yeah, Jihad Ward to get outside here. And you can see how he works outside because Aziz Ojolari kind of drops quarterback spy possibly underneath. You can see how he's just mm. looking at Justin Fields, but Jihad Ward goes for the pass rush, sees that the tight end stays in and then just expands laterally to remove the field side from Justin Fields. And then Justin Fields has to throw this away. And if you look at it from the sideline angle, they have a high low, but it's not definitively there against a Dory Jackson who plays these situations very well. You can I see they're going to plays Nick. And I'm like, why is fields doing, why is the quarterback doing what he's doing when he starts to roll there, dude, why not flip your hits and hit and like take a step with your left foot and go back toward the middle there. There is a pocket there. Like as Jihad Ward expands, you can kind of bounce back inside. And yeah, Ojalari at that point will probably attack downhill, but you'll have at least one and a half, two seconds to evaluate your options and throw from that, from that grounded base. I just don't, I see this a lot with quarterbacks. I just don't see why he's rolling to his right there. Yeah. I'm not sure if he trusts himself to throw to the field side. He definitely has the, the arms. Yeah. He definitely has the arm talent when the mechanics are there to do it. Like that's not, that's not an issue with Justin Fields, but I don't know how accurate he is when the bullets are flying in terms of touch and things like that. It's not something that we there. saw. I feel like he throws yeah. a good ball, right? Like when, when he throws it, like, Oh wow, that thing came out of his arm. Good velo, all that. But in terms of like those touch passes near the side, it's not something that we really saw at all in this game. Yeah, that's fair. All right, now we have another three-play drive, right? Don't you love it, Dan? Don't you love good defense right here by the New York Football Giants? Get Who doesn't played. love three and outs, baby? I believe it's a run to Ebner. Motion the fullback back in. And we just get a little halfback pitch. Very well played by Nick Williams. It ends up yeah. going for, for a solid game. But watch Nick Williams just flow outside, and he forces, instead of that path going more direct, Ebner has to really just kind of go east to west before getting north to south, which allows Jalen Smith 
just gives Jalen Smith, I should say, a little bit more time to just affect the contact there. And it almost goes for 10 yards on this play, but I felt like that was a good, solid play by Nick Williams just to kind of be a yeah. nuisance uh, as a defensive end there. Yep, 100%. And now here we have a double Y set on the second and short play by the New York Giants. Tight front. This is a play-action rollout right here. Kayvon Thibodeau is the star of this play. He gets in Justin Fields' face and forces Justin Fields to roll out, and this little dump-off pass right here ends up getting dropped. So the tight end is just kind of chipping and then releasing. And I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau turns a really nice tight corner there and just harasses Justin Fields as Justin Fields throws this incomplete pass about two feet in front of him, even though there are two linebackers and a defensive end right around where the pass goes. That could have easily have been intercepted too. Yeah. And then the third down play, Dan, is the Fabian Moreau play right here. Watch. Man coverage. And there's good separation off the line. That's a yep. good outside great release recovery. right there. And just a great recovery right there. No panic. Just gets his hands right into Dante Pettis's face mask. And this, I think it hit Dante Pettis in the hands. Like You have to catch this football yeah. in this situation. But this is just a one-on-one one-on-one situation where Justin Fields puts the ball into a very catchable spot. The Giants blitz. They have one guy deep in Dane Belton. You have to catch the football, but kudos to Moreau, man, for, for coming through big in, the, in this clutch situation to force the punt. Yeah, it was a good ball by, by Fields. It was a really good recovery by Moreau. And that's what we're going to need too, Dan, right? Without Cordell Flott, without Aaron Robinson, you're going to need Moreau to step up big. And that's not something that we thought, you know, just a couple weeks ago. We were like, oh, they brought him Moreau. Yeah, that kid from UCLA a while ago, Torres Peck during the draft process. He's okay. He was on Washington for a little while. He was on Atlanta last year, and now he's probably going to be a big part of what the Giants do defensively. He's going to be a starter, and that's a little scary, but at the same time, he consistently makes plays like this. It's a good situation to be in. Yeah, he's playing well right now. They're they're obviously dealing with a situation where they don't have a lot of depth now at the corner position. The Robinson injuries pisses me off so much. It's so unlucky, and I really felt like he got back onto the field faster, at least in your initial di- doctor diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, of, of the, yeah, that's a good thing. But now, obviously, some bad luck that they were hit with. But it is what it is, and and now they'll be and he'll be relied on for a much bigger role than we were expecting. But so far, so good. Like it, both those plays we broke down today, the recovery that you just showed, and then earlier the really heady play on that post wheel. That was like a big time play that Moreau made. That I'm not even certain, dude, if they had Robinson or Flot out there, that they would make that play. To be completely honest, yeah, I'm not completely sure either. But we know Moreau can. <laughs> so the that's that, that's the, yeah. the veteran play right there. And here. The Giants get a, a good situation where the Bears are backed up in their own territory. Now you see the Giants absolutely lo- load the box right here. You got oh, yeah. three down linemen, five guys on the line of scrimmage, three linebackers within the box. So it's tough to run against here, but they're not going to trust Justin Fields to throw the football too much. I feel like Dane Belton does a good job filling right here as EQ St. Brown tries yep. to do one of those wide receiver insert type blocks. And he does a good job pinning Dane Belton to the tackle right there. But the Giants all just rally and fill. Again, the, the Giants run defense in this game. They were playing as a team. And who is that leading the way right there? That is Dexter Lawrence again. Oh, yeah. That's not Mustafer at 62. And watch how <laughs> Dexter Lawrence, he just has a knack for finding the football in I these know. situations. In the run he really game. Does. He's so good in the run game. It's crazy. And that sets up second down. I believe this is also a running play. Justin Ellis does a really good job slowing down Great Khalil Herbert here. Yeah. I think... If I'm looking at 67's leverage, he expects Tevin Jenkins to to take over this reach block as well. But instead, they're focused on Dexter Lawrence. But you can see how 75 thinks he's taking Dexter Lawrence. 76 and 75 are both on him. 
And I think it was just probably an offensive line miscommunication facilitated by the fact that they have not been able to figure out how to block 97 the entire game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let, let's Ellis go free, which is nice. Let, exactly. And let's Ellis get some, some stats right there. And here I believe is another one of the, the cross dog blitzes yeah, the right cross here. Dog again. And this third and three ends up going incomplete. And you can see the same thing. Dexter Lawrence is going to flow outside. Aziz Ojolari is going to drop in the coverage. It's crazy, man. Just imagine that. Like, imagine being a coach and seeing the center make the same mistake twice on the exact same blitz. I know. It, it's it's crazy to think about. <laughs> That's exactly. why Clay Harbor was killing one. on Twitter. <laughs> like, I'm got, Yeah, Clay Harbor. I remember Clay Harbor, man. He played for the Bears and he played for the Jags, right? Yeah. Yep. The, like I think a, he was on the Bills, too, for a little bit, maybe. He's like an H-back slash tight end, dude. Yeah, but I, I still love this play call by the New York Giants. Just so, There's so many, so many elements within this play call to help the Giants get this sack or at least get this pressure. Yep. All right, Dan, before we get to the superlatives, I want to rewind a little bit to the drive that we skipped just the three plays before the end of the first half. And I think it's important to go over because the New York Giants end up running that cross dog blitz, the double A gap twist, whatever you want to call it with the contain from Dexter Lawrence and the spy from Aziz Ojolari. And it ends up getting a sack near the line of scrimmage by Dexter Lawrence, as you'll see right here. So this is the play working to perfection when the first contingency does not work. Cause Mustafer actually pays attention here. As you can see, Mustafer ends up picking up Tay Crowder right there. Khalil Herbert makes contact with Micah McFadden. Then you have two pressuring defenders on the edge to Justin Fields left. So as Wink Martindale designed, Justin Fields is going to do what? He's going to roll to his right. Now you have Dexter Lawrence boxing him back inside where Aziz Ojolari is. And then Dexter Lawrence ends up getting that sack. This is the exact design that Wink Martindale fought up in his head. Flush just if you don't sack Justin Fields with the two linebackers, or if you don't force a throwaway, flush him to his right and have Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari waiting for him. And I just love the fact that it actually worked. And Dexter Lawrence cuts him back, make forcing him back inside too. Just oh, perfectly executed by everyone on that play. Yeah, it's it like great game plan overall. I, I do think that it's helped out again by the fact that it is Justin Fields, Bears, all that stuff. We said it like mm -hmm. nine hundred times at this point, <laughs> but. Still, you got to execute the way you execute. And I feel like the Giants just did a really good job. And look at us, man. We're smiling. I didn't smile last year. Smiling there was is no smiling on these podcasts when I was watching Jason Garrett's film. Which I will say, though, did you see the movie Smile yet? No, I see you keep referencing that. What the hell? Did I? Did, how, you, I you referenced it on something else. Oh, I, I did. I did. You're right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was a, it was a little creepy. A little oh, you watched that movie? Yeah, I went to the movie theater, wow. uh, like something I never do, and I ended up. Checking I feels it out. like a a, D, a Dina movie. I feel like she's a fan of that type of stuff. Yeah, you don't. Obviously, I'm not going to be like, hey, I want to go to yeah. a movie. I have to get kind of dragged well, there. Movies, right? maybe. But I'm just saying horror. I feel like horror is her genre. She does like horror movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into horror. That's one of my takes. I don't like horror, man. I just I don't want to be scared. I hate the gore. You know what? I I don't mind horror as much as I hate torture, like Hostel, like those types of movies. Saw and stuff like that. No, I so, don't like that shit at all. Really? Not Saw? No, no, I'm saying. Well, Saw is like cool. It's smart. The first one's like smart and really interesting and has good twists. Oh, yeah. But like, and that's fine. There's not that much torture in that one. But as the Saws went on, there was like more torture as it went on. Like there's the one movie, The Human Centipede, which is like a disgrace to humanity and should have never been created. Do you know that movie? 
Of course. Yeah. yeah. Human yeah, Sentai like, Pad is the South Park episode. Based <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah, they did one on South Park. Like those types of movies, I just will never put my eyes on. Like I just, I heard about that movie and I'm like, what a disgrace to humanity that this was allowed to be produced and, and distributed to probably like 13 year olds watching that and being scarred by it for the rest of their lives. But anyway, let's get back to football <laughs> here. And let's talk about the unheralded player on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Williams for me. I feel like Nick Williams had a great game specifically on, I think it was the third or fourth drive where he came up with three really big plays. I think there are several players yeah. that we can name here. And I'm, you have the pick of anybody else other than Nick Williams right now, because I had the first selection and I do think he played a, a fantastic game in the stead of Leonard Williams. There's a lot of players to pick from, like you said. Um, you know, I got two that come to mind. I'm going to go with Fabian Moreau, though. I'm going to go with Moreau on this one. Like you said, that one heady play was great. He wasn't really tested much, which is fine. And when he was, he did a really good job. He had two PBUs. That's tough to have in a game where they're not throwing the football. And both of them came on huge plays. So I'll go with Moreau. Moreau ended up playing 49 snaps. That's not really a surprise. Nick Williams ended up playing 35 snaps with Justin Ellis playing 33. And I know Leonard Williams isn't there, but that is also just a product of the fact that the Giants were like, we don't respect the passing game. Who do they have at receiver? Don't care. We're going to shut down whoever the running back is with these big bodies in the middle of the field, like everyone just saw on the film, if you're checking it out on YouTube. And then we're also going to use guys like Tom and Fox. One thing that was notable is O'Shane Zimena has only played 13 snaps in this game. Weird. A little bit weird for somebody who I felt like actually played well as a run defender. Yeah. We'll see if that continues or if he had something bugging him. I'm not really sure. So I'll be paying attention to that in the London game. It is interesting, too, because Tom and Fox got snapped. That's that's what makes that even more interesting to me. But I'll well, say Tom, Tom and Fox, I feel like, is more physical. Is it Tommen or Tomen? I'm not sure. Yeah, I just I, think I, of the Lion King, though. Every every oh, time I just think of the, the I'm just think of the Game of Thrones, Tommen. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. Of course you do. Of course you. I have to see House of Dragon. The, the last episode, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, yeah. It's 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 moving. It's it's again. This is a big prologue, but eventually, once they get to the Civil War, it's going to be sick. Um, but anyway, best highest effort player on film to you. I like this one. I, this is one of my favorite superlatives. We didn't do this last year, but I think it's a fun one. Yes, I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. Kayvon Thibodeau falls on the football, huge effort play, smart play. Kayvon Thibodeau flushed, <laughs> it's funny to use toilet terms in terms of football, but flushed Justin Fields out of the pocket twice. And I feel like he was kind of all over the place when he needed to be. So I'm going to go with Kayvon. I'll go with Dexter Lawrence in this one. Again, when you play 94% of the snaps as a 300 plus pound person, and yet you're still putting together insane reps like the one we showed in the fourth quarter where he just immediately beats his guy. And again, it is Mustafer. I want to, Christopher, if you keep thinking of like Sopranos when I say Mustafer. <laughs> yeah, I'm Christopher, you sat on the dog. Um, but um, you oh, killed the dog, Christopher. But uh, anyway, but like it was Mustafer. But dude, th- to play with that kind of effort level, in the fourth quarter, after they ask you to play almost every snap as a 300-plus pounder, which has never happens in football, which I am still like in some ways surprised about, it's him. There's a lot of great options, though. You can go Thibodeau. You think you can go Jihad Ward. I think you can go Tay Crowder. There's so many. I think you can go Belton, like potentially Belton and McKinney. Like Those guys were all over the place. So Yeah, I'm trying to use one per, and yeah. most valuable player for me is going to be Dexter Lawrence. So yes. we'll just kind of get ahead of oh, that. I see what you're and, saying. You're not yeah, letting people win, too. Like when there's a lot of options, I I will, you know, but like if there's never any options, which is something that that happened to us last year, more experienced a lot in the, (laughs) in the last couple of years. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's definitely one of those systems that isn't, you know, written in stone. Oh no, there's no math behind this system or science. 
It's all feel, baby. All right, best player overall then. Yeah, the MVP best player for me would be Dexter Lawrence. Me too. Lawrence is the best player. So if if that is yours, (laughs) I do want to add a little little bit of a 1A, 1B situation because somebody we've been hard on on this podcast, rightfully so, deserves praise, and that's Tate Crowder. He played very well, and he could have easily have won that if it wasn't for Dexter Lawrence playing out of his mind too. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there were still a few bad reps by Crowder, which I don't feel like there were many as many from Lawrence. But like you said, we're 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 talking apples. Like he was still one of the best players in the field that game, which we haven't said often about Crowder. So that's really good to hear, and it's really good to see. How about the best play? Your favorite play call from Wink Martindale? It's the cross dog double A gap twist. You called it, I think, three times in the game. You got <laughs> yeah. two sacks off of it and a pressure on a third and three yeah. that forced the punt. Pretty sick. And that center just. I don't even think we have to say his name. Everyone who's listening knows his name at this point. Like he, he couldn't figure it out. And even when he did, it worked to perfection of what Wink Martindale wanted Justin Fields to do. Played right into the Giants' hands. So you'll have to help me with this one because I don't know the exact call and I'm just going to do it off memory. For me, it was when they had the unbalanced look on the left side of the line of scrimmage. And after the snap, the Bears had th- uh, three offensive linemen, basically, or three pass protectors. One was a tight end, I think, looking at the, around with <laughs> accounting for one Giants defender. This might have been one of the cross dog blitzes. I can't really fully remember it. But as I looked into the coverage, I put this one on Twitter. So maybe it's this is on me for not uh, having this teed up. But as I looked at it from both views, from the end zone angle, from from the sideline view, there is nowhere to go with the football. The coverage is sticky there, man coverage, and there's just immediate pressure. Anytime you can get that, I feel like I've seen that more with Wink Martindale this year than I've seen it since we started doing this podcast. Everyone locked up in coverage and yet immediate pressure on the quarterback. How is that even possible? I don't know. You just need the guys on the back end to cover. And yeah. I think, was Aaron Robinson in on that play? Robinson was in on that one, yeah. So I don't remember. Yeah, the exact he looks one, sticky, yeah. man, until he got hurt. No, it, it was dude, a lot of sucks. I'm pissed we lost Robinson. I know no one's going to, everyone's going to be like, what do you care? He hasn't shown anything, but he kind of has. And limited tape, he really has. So it sucks. But hopefully it it's not a season ender. I don't know if it's definitely a season ender. Well, no. I mean, we well, get no I'm information on these injuries from this stuff. It's like, it's just like, oh, he's either day to day or he's on IR. God bless. Do your best. Oh, is that a high ankle sprain? I'm not saying it's a high ankle sprain, so you can't say that because I didn't confirm. So, all right, I don't know what it is then. So, yeah, who knows what that knee injury? Is. <laughs> I got dead relatives who are day to day, according to Brian Dable right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up with these two. Let's start here with the pass rush grade, one to ten scale. Pass rush grade, again, not a lot of pass rushing traditional type of reps, yeah. so I'm just going to go off the overall pressure. Got to go with a strong, I think, 8.5 right there. I mean, Justin Fields was protected. or I mean, that's one way you could look at it. You could say it's hindering his upside, but it's also protecting him from dropping back because the offensive coordinator and all the other issues they have, they don't really maybe fully trust him or don't want him to be dropping back as much. But despite that, he was still sacked six times. I mean, this could be like a 9.5, to be honest. I'm just going to go with a nice solid 8.9. I have to bump it up from what I initially said because <laughs> it, it was pretty damn impressive. I'll go 9.4 here. Um, I think Dexter Lawrence alone bumps this one up. He's like a 9.9. He had one of the best pass rush. He had his best pass rushing game of his career. Ojolari really stood out to me as well as the second best pass rusher in this game. A couple great reps from Thibodeau. And just, as you said, just great scheme pressures too by the Giants. So overall, they just did everything you could pretty much want for the few limited, like you said, reps they had. There wasn't many pass attempts by the Justin Fields. But it's about to change. Like this, this shit ain't standing. Like we're about to face Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. So things are going to look different. But let's enjoy it while we can. How about a run defense grade? This one's interesting. A run defense grade one to 10. Go with a strong 8.7, man. Same ballpark as the pass rush. And they were playing like a team, man. 
They were playing with continuity. They were having their buddies' backs. There were not a lot of Blue Falcons here. So I loved it. Do you know what Blue Falcon is? Nah, what is it? It's a buddy effer. What? I know so what a buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but I don't even know. I still don't really it's get it. It's a military that. term for somebody who doesn't have your back for a variety oh, of different Oh, ways. from that standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I so, just listening to some of the stories you've told me about your time in the military, I the military I said that right yeah I, one time i remember i used to call it the army by mistake that was devastating nick was so offended every time he wouldn't express it he'd just kind of say like things to me like hey dude uh try not to mention it as the army it's not the fucking army but like he was i could it's, see it's, the look in his eyes he was just like disgusted that i would ever say army for that's literally that. that's literally like me going like oh you host a jets podcast yeah <laughs> it's the same thing yeah, but it's not even because like the Jets and Giants are both like NFL football teams that there's a difference. I know in your mind, you don't have to admit it right now. You don't want to offend army people, but like the, you feel like there's definitely the Marines definitely feel I feel like the Marines view themselves a little higher than the army people. I'm just going to be honest. You don't have to respond to that. Don't implicate yourself. I'm just going to say from the Marines I've met in my life and you're not the first Marine I've been friends with. They definitely view themselves in a higher plane than the army. Just saying, just saying. All right. Anyway, let's go with my grade, and I'll go with a nine-one for the run defense. Look, no big runs really for this Bears offense, except for Justin Fields. Uh, maybe one that I remember, the fourteen-yarder by Herbert. Like that was just like Crowder missed his gap. Whatever. Like uh, two maybe mistakes by the Giants' run defense, but overall, rally to the ball every time. Play your gaps. Play disciplined. Play this game like you know you need to stop the run. And like you said, play with a chip on your shoulder after Dallas put it to you in the run game. So two nine oh two nine plus grades for me. Awesome game for the defense, too. They freaking dominated, and it was great to see. It was a joy. And I think this Packers game, it's it's gonna be interesting, man. We have to pay attention to what's going on every day at Giants camp Injury, because we yeah. legit it could be a situation where the Giants are entering this game without Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor. Like that would suck so bad. There's a non-zero chance of it. Now, there's a possibility that one or two of them could be back. If it is Daniel Jones, how mobile is he, and what does that do to the offense? That's a serious question. So, I if guess Jones isn't mobile, I 100% want them to go with Tyrod Taylor. I agree. I agree. And that's not a knock on Jones, but you no. need – and we've said this for years. It's a knock on Jones, to be honest. He, part of his game is mobility, straight up. Well, I mean, oh, it's yeah. a knock from that sense, but it's yeah. just one of those things that, like, just look at what this coaching staff has done through four games. Right. The way they're moving the football is by taking advantage of Jones's athletic ability. Yeah. If he doesn't have said athletic ability, then how are you going to move the football? Yeah, knock is not the right word. It's a reality check on what where we're at as yeah. an offense right now. We're an offense that relies on mobility from the quarterback position. So we can't if we can't get that from Jones, let's get it from Tyrod. If he's cleared, that's the problem too. He may not be cleared from the concussion protocol. I got to be honest with you, this Tua thing. I don't want to take say this in any kind of light way, but like it's definitely going to impact his availability and his possibility to play. Anyone who doesn't believe that, like if we look at this thing in two and a half years, they're gonna the NFL is gonna be treating concussions differently in two and a half years than they are this week. Let's just call it like it is. This is how it, everything goes in life with the bot, not recency bias, but just how things are treated in the moment and in the moment. Especially right now, it's a bad look for the NFL. It's a terrible look, especially it being on a primetime game. Yes. Amazon Prime. The yep, big thing is point. Amazon Prime's huge thing. And then this is a primetime game when everyone saw him wobble in another big game, not a primetime game, against Buffalo, a very important and emotional win for the Dolphins. So you're 100% right. It's like, remember the uh, the Ryan Shazier hit, the one that yep. almost paralyzed him? That was also on a primetime game, if I'm not mistaken, right? The yep. Antonio Brown hit by Vontez Burfick. That was a playoff game, I think. So a lot of these 
big hits, man. And there's just a lot of awareness around around the head injuries that 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 are a byproduct of playing a very violent game like football. So you might be right, yeah. dude. We'll see what happens, though. If worst case to worst, they're going with Davis Webb, and it would be. I'm not going to say it's going to give us the best chance to win, but it's going to at least be fun to watch a full game of Davis Webb film because we're finally going to get like, what did Ben McAdoo see in this dude that made him want to invest a third round pick? What did Jerry Reese see in this dude? What did the Giants scout like? Like you know, you finally gets his opportunity. I don't want that to happen. I think the Giants have a much better chance to win with Jones or even a Hopple Jones or Taylor. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the whole hobbled Jones thing, though. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really 100 percent sure if the if it's even smart to put him out there if that yeah, thing's agreed. not fully geared. Let him get healthy. That, yeah, exactly. Let him get healthy, and you have two games that are three games really that are they're really tough coming up. Because let's not write off Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville. You got to go to Florida. It's hot. It's humid the down there. Jacksonville. If you watch any, I want to look at like Lori, Lori, who we've had on the podcast before. Lori Fitzpatrick, shout out. She does good film work. I think a lot of it is Jaguar stuff, or she used to be more Jaguars related. But I'm really curious, and I don't know exactly that scheme, but they've turned that defense around so freaking fast, man. Like that defense was bottom barrel last year and they lost miles jack and yeah and i know they made big investments like trayvon walker and they traded back up for um the kid from utah the linebackers played unreal Devin Devin Lloyd. Lloyd. but like and then they got the wyoming kid who we like too at linebacker what's his name Chad uh, Moma, yeah. i don't know if he's even playing right now but i'm sure he is because that defense is like turned it around immediately so i don't i think that's like people are going to be surprised when the giants play the jacks this year that their defense is actually pretty good I think they also signed, and I, this is somebody I'm bringing up twice in a month, but Foley <laughs> Fatukasi, who ended up leaving, oh, I think, last game with an injury. But that's one of the things, though. What, what did everyone do to Jacksonville? They ran the football on them. They're in a division like the AFC South with Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. They, they would get gashed all the time. So you need linebackers who can defend the run. You need two-way linebackers, really. And then you need big defensive linemen, not the Taven Bryans of the world that they right. drafted. You need guys like Foley Fatakasi to eat up the center of the center of the offensive line while you have Josh Allen and freaking Trayvon Walker on the edges. I mean, yeah. they're, they're a pretty interesting team, to, to say the least. They are, yeah. And so we'll see them in a couple of weeks. But anyway, that's the big blue banter. New York Giants film breakdown on the defense side of the ball for the Giants week four win over the Bears. Keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Banter podcast. If you're listening now, you know what we ask of you. The only thing we'll ever ask of you, please rate, review, subscribe, and make sure you download every episode, especially now if your objective is to watch these instead of listen. That's fine, but just please make sure you download as well on the podcast form. Otherwise, if you're just listening and you want to watch us break down these plays as we talk them through, which in my mind is probably a better way to consume them, but I don't know. It's your decision. Head over to the Big Blue Banter YouTube page. You can just go to YouTube anywhere you take anywhere you get it on your TV. If you have like an app that does it or on your phone, whatever it is, and type in Big Blue Banter. You'll see our logo. You click that and you'll see our offensive film breakdown from earlier this week and then this one on defense. And more stuff will be coming to that page as well. But we need your help to build it because we're literally doing it from scratch. So thank you to everyone who has helped already or who plans to help in the future. We love you. You guys are the best. You guys make this thing possible. So have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.